Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. What time is this? Ladies and gentlemen, the Undisputed Era has arrived. You have the 25 days of Christmas. Impact's going to have the 25 days of releases. I send it you to deletion! Yeah! It's, uh, it's hashtag alpha versus omega. Let's just say hashtag aroused. <laughs> no, you're going to step in that ring, and you're going to be looking at me eye to eye, and you're going to realize you ain't got a chance. Thank God we don't have to talk about it anymore. Because she got that cancer out of there. Sean stole my answer. I'm just glad we don't have to talk about this shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not an insult. That is just a fact of life. Look out! Look out! Jericho's got to hold on. Oh, that terror is still there. The terror's in the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, wrestling to the max. And your host, Gary Vaughn, Sean Garmer, and Paul Deezer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling to the Max, episode 280, part 2. And we are brought to you by W2Mnet.com, the place where you go find all your great wrestling podcasts and a lot more. Don't forget to go so hit that subscribe button over at Wrestling to the Max and the W2M Network. Whatever one you choose, it doesn't matter. All that matters is you get all our great content in one nice place. Hey, and while you're all you know over there doing all that, make sure you go ahead and rate and review. Give us those five stars and give us a little bit of feedback. We enjoy all that. And hey, you're doing us a favor. Make sure you also go do us a big favor when you go and support the guys and gals over at FormulaMedia.com and LastWordOnProWrestling.com. Both are great sites, have great articles, and lots of great wrestling stuff over there, too. So go check them out. They support us. Let's support them. And, of course, you know, once again, I am your host, Gary Vaughn, and along with me is your host, Paul Ezer. hey And your other host, Sean Garmer, sadly, is not here. Oh, Paul, I'm so sad. I am so sad tonight. Yeah, this is uh, this is a rough show to miss, uh, <laughs> especially as uh, New Japan is really what Sean enjoys the most right now too. So uh, I hope Sleepy Bye is treating him good. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it really hurts me to not do the show with him. And for that reason, like you said, he, this guy is all about NXT, watching New Japan. He really doesn't have the opportunity with everything else he does on his plate to watch a lot of WB television besides, you know, like I said, NXT. So it, it really does bum me out that one of the biggest products that he does cover on a week-to-week basis is not the show he's going to be on when it comes to their WrestleMania. And, and it's by far not... a something we really chose to do without him it's not about that it's the timetable it's everything else paul and i both uh have prior engagements that we've got on the night after we're actually recording this show it'd been very difficult for sean to try to figure out how to do it without us or basically do it by himself and maybe we've got some great other co-hosts on this network and harry broadhurst uh, Brandon Bisco being Liz, anybody else could step up to the plate, and I appreciate all of them. Uh, but, you know, I know once again, it's just one of those things where Sean, Paul, and I all kind of agreed on we have to just get the show done and make sure we get the product out to the listeners on time in a, in a timely manner. So it's breaking my heart. I, I hope Sean's listening and understand. It really does. So I've been trying for hours to, to get a hold of him, and I, I think the main event was just too much. Sean has had a long day, and I've talked to him all day long just stinks but you know what sean is going to give his feedback and i can't wait till he does he'll probably do that on uh monday show so let's just hope that all works out and you know sadly once again sean we love you man we wish you could have been on tonight uh but you know we are going to have a lot of fun we are going to talk wrestle kingdom 12 i cannot wait this is something that's energized me all day long i know paul you're energized this is something that we're really looking forward to talking about so we are going to do that tonight that'll be the first thing on the dock and also we're going to be jumping in some quick kits lots of interesting stuff going on in wb right now they've got lots of people transitioning in looking at different things going on so we'll be talking about that plus some other great wrestling news from this week and we'll be getting to impact wrestling that's right they had their first tv taping of the 2018 year uh so we'll be getting into that it'll be kind of fun to kind of get a little bit into that because there's some things changing in impact at the moment. So we'll be talking about all that plus crowning a superstar of the week. So we've got a full show ahead of you. We can't wait to do it. Uh, before we get into the show really quick here, Paul, I- I've got to do this and I don't know if she'll ever hear it. I hope she does. You know, I, this, this is one of those things that I kind of throw out there is this is kind of like my journal, right? I, I'll say it and then maybe later on someone will listen to one of these episodes and hear this. But I, I got to give a big shout out to my wife. Today is her birthday. So huge happy birthday to my wife. I'm, you know, sure she'll probably listen to this eventually but you know big <laughs> stuff going on I, I you know i'll be i'll be fair to the audience my wife is not a wrestling fan uh this is something i do by myself she is not joining in on the couch with me every monday night and tuesday night she's not doing that paul so I, i'm throwing her a big shout out maybe i'll just go to the moon i mean uh hats off to i have watched wrestling with your wife before and uh she's hilarious when she's <laughs> watching it with us so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of these days, Paul, we're going to get back together, uh, either in a big group of our friends or just me and you some night, and we're going to do that, make her watch. We're just going to force her to watch with us and just see more <laughs> reactions from her. That's, that's, that's usually the best part is just the, the snide, smart-ass remarks that Amanda makes <laughs> on the couch <laughs> while we're all into it, and she just pulls us out and <laughs> makes us laugh. It's great. Yeah, I I know. I I love it. So, you know, big shout out to her. I hope she has a great birthday. And, uh, you know, if we do watch a show with her, I think it's going to be some New Japan because I know their over the top antics will really get her going. So, (laughs) 
Oh, boy. So, yeah, there you go with that. And, and of course, you know, uh, a big week, you know, coming up here. We got New Year's Dash also. If people are listening to this and you love New Japan, you probably already watched New Year's Dash. Mm-hmm. We're not going to cover that tonight. We, we may actually, uh, Paul may kind of break that down a little bit more uh, on Monday's show. But we're, we're going to focus on Wrestle Kingdom. So that's, that's another time stamp I want to give people. We understand New Year's Dash has already happened, but you got to give us the opportunity to actually watch it before we do it. So. Yeah, uh, it's kind of hard to, to look into the future. If we had those powers, we'd be making money, Paul. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're recording this two hours before the show goes live, so you can't get mad, people. I've timestamped this. Yeah. See, <laughs> there you go. Paul's on top of it. So, well, you know, without much more delay, Paul, let's go ahead and do it. Let's talk some Wrestle Kingdom, man. I'm excited. Let's do it, man. All right. Uh, so, naturally, Wrestle Kingdom, of course, is in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, big, big deal. Lots of lots of hype going into this. Uh, I watched this live. I know a lot of other people around the world watched this live. And um, for me, it was 2 in the morning. For others, it was probably much, much later. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I know you didn't get a chance to watch it, but you have it like, uh, what were your thoughts going into before you hit the play button? Really, my thoughts were going into this, how exciting is it going to be? Are they going to blow me away with some big things? And, I mean, really coming in, are, are we going to get to see all these different matches of big proportion end up in the way we all predicted on Thursday, or, excuse me, Monday? That was my biggest thing. How is this all going to work out? Is this going to be very predictable, or are we going to get a lot of surprises? And I, I I was definitely given those answers later on, but that was my big thing. And, you know, when you're talking Wrestle Kingdom, this is WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was talking to you before we even got on the air. It, it's funny because if people listening to us right now talk, and they're listening to us because they like our show, but they don't really pay attention to the New Japan product, they think, well, that's just something that's going No, this is WrestleMania. And it may not have some of the same flair, may have a little bit more sometimes than the actual WrestleMania. This is a big deal. And so I was excited going into it, to be honest with you, Paul. I couldn't wait to watch a majority of these matches. Uh, yeah, I mean, my biggest thing sitting here waiting for the, the stream to start earlier today was, is it going to live up to the last two? Because the last two shows have just been... Uh, I mean, almost perfect. I, I, I've i given nine and a halfs to both Wrestle Kingdom 10 and Wrestle Kingdom 11 over the past years. Could this show possibly live up to that standard that New Japan has created with this event that's drawn so many people to it? And especially with, with two matches that have been hyped uh, for a very long time and given a lot of attention to in your double main event this evening that we're going to talk about much later, could those live up to it? You know, we always ask that every time. Can New Japan find a way to top itself? And uh, we're going to find out. We're going to find out right now. Let's do it. Let's do it, yeah. Uh, Before we dive into the pre-show here, though, I want to talk attendance numbers uh, because this is a pretty big deal. The total paid attendance, as people who paid money, is 34,995, which is the largest draw that they've had as far as people who've paid in the last 15 years to the Tokyo Dome, which is a huge deal. They're up almost 80, or they're up over 8,800 people from last year's Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, and when you start factoring in paper tickets and guests and all this other stuff, according to Kevin Kelly, they're well over 40,000 in the dome this year, which is just 
incredible. It's a huge deal. It's such an insanely fast turnaround from uh, even two years ago where they were well below 25000 paid. So uh, th- it, this is just nuts how quickly yeah. this place has exploded. No, you're completely right. And, you know, I, I remember for so many, you know, conversations that we've had in the past that it was, well, this goal is here, but, you know, they don't exactly have the expectations to reach, you know, 20,000 and, or maybe they can get to 25, but, you know, that's all hoping and wishing, right? And all of a sudden now we're talking about, you know, doesn't matter what you're, what, what it is. It's 40,000 people. That's, that's a lot of people. Absolutely. And, especially in japan where you know they you know have their idealisms and you know wrestling is big was a portion of that population but this is about the peak at at this point and it's a big pinnacle this has mm-hmm. gone past what they really expected i, I think we were talking about what was it, a couple of weeks ago that thirty thousand was really a, a high expectation i believe they were really like that was what the mark they wanted but it wasn't for sure, right? Right. So they, they had passed thirty thousand, I think, uh, maybe about a month before the show, and maybe a little after. It might have been like two or three weeks before the the show date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they, I remember that was one of their goals, and they reached it, and they just surpassed it. So I, I think this is a big deal, Paul. I really, really do. And you know, the reason it's a big deal because there were a lot of international people coming in. There was a lot of people flying into Japan. This wasn't just. Japanese fans. That, that's that's really not what this was about. We had a lot of people imported in to come watch this event, and th- I think this is the start of something. I really do. Just like I said, you know, we had the same thing with WrestleMania. This is becoming the new thing with Wrestle Kingdom. Hey, I agree. There's there's uh, any time the camera panned around later on in the show, um, it's always a healthy mix of people. It's not just you know all Japanese people. It's Japanese people. There's a lot of uh, different tones of skin out there. So uh, that that was really, really cool to see how sort of, I mean, we talk about WrestleMania every year having this big international appeal. This is certainly, I think, starting to get up to that level. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, too, you, you say that because, you know, I, me and you both, you've been to multiple WrestleManias. I've been to the one and I've been to NXT TakeOver and especially during WrestleMania weekend. It's kind of funny because you realize this is not just America. You've got Brits. You've got uh people from I mean, all sorts of places around but I, you do have a really huge uk influence there um so needless to say it's kind of fun to kind of see how that all worked out here because it's getting that same exact thing going on there and i want to see like two years from now we may actually get a, a huge proportion of uk fans american fans canadian fans and you may start to see the japanese crowd clapping but you may actually start to get full chance going too wouldn't it be amazing just to kind of see that population of uk fans grow there and just start those songs and all that during these matches uh, and this, this is something that i've seen a lot around uh social media pages too is sort of there's such a large difference between how fans in japan comport themselves um not only at wrestling shows but just in to people in general where it's a lot of um like if you're misbehaving uh, for example, there there was a, a story I read online today about uh, somebody who was at the show live who flew there from, from the States, and somebody was being very obnoxious and loud behind them, and it's not people asking him to be quiet, it's large crowds of people staring at you hoping that the social pressure will make you stop being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, awesome. 
That's that's one of the things that I kind of worry about is that certainly you're going to have a majority if people go over there and be very respectful and sort of try to blend in a little bit with with what is sort of expected from you uh at at a Japan, you know, a new Japan show or any sort of uh proesu event that you happen to attend if you're over there in uh in Japan. So getting like you know, especially like I I'm at, I've been to my fair share of indie shows here around Texas, and um, you know it, it's the same wherever you go. But just indie shows in general have a have a tendency to you know there's a lot of beer, there's a lot of drinking going on. What happens if some of these guys start getting over there and just being a whole bunch of idiots and start ruining the experience for everybody? That's that's not cool. So it's just comporting yourself in a different country is uh, I don't know. It's one of the things I kind of worry about with these shows sometimes. No, and I understand that point. I really do. And you, you're going into someone else's backyard, right? <laughs> and you're bringing your idealisms into their home. It doesn't always work out like, you know, uh, me or you would walk into a Japanese home. And especially me. I would probably not the first thought, take off my shoes. Well, I'd probably walk in there staring at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, it's just you're supposed to take off your shoes. And I think the same thing here. You're not supposed to act like an idiot in a New Japan show. You're just not <laughs> supposed to. Okay? And, uh, I, I, you know... Still, I, I get that, and I want to respect it. But it wouldn't shock me if that didn't start to happen, where you do get a lot of those crazier fans coming and showing up mm-hmm. and starting to make a little bit more noise than they're supposed to. So, different place. You just got to respect what where you're at. Yeah, it's a vastly, vastly different culture. But uh, I, I think we've waxed poetical enough. Let's jump into the show. New Japan Rambo opens up the pre-show here. If this is your first Wrestle Kingdom, or you haven't listened to us before, or anybody talk about this, uh, it's a it's a fun little thing they do on the pre-show. It gets a lot of the people who aren't on the main card onto the show. Uh, they usually use it to bring in a lot of legends uh, and such like that. They didn't really do that, however. You have, uh, I think, some of the international relationships highlighted here because you have uh, a lot of the people you would expect from New Japan. Takamichinoku, Satoshi Kojima, Hiroshi Tenzan. Uh, some of the young lines you have, Katsuya Kitamura and Leo Tonga in this. Um... Liger, Tiger Mask, a lot of the Suzuki Gun guys, which they, they tell a nice little story there as well. Uh, you have Cheeseburger and Delirious from Ring of Honor, and Cheeseburger is so over. It's incredible to me how uh, <laughs> he gets to yeah. stop every year at this show. Um, and last but not least is uh, the returning from cancer, former UWF legend uh, Masahito Kakihara, who has recently overcome cancer. And uh, sort of had a very public battle with that. There's some crowdfunding involved there to help this guy sort of pay for bills and whatnot. He ends up your winner. He pins Cheeseburger at the end uh, to get the victory here. Uh, post-match, he, he cuts a very, very passionate promo about helping out Takayama, uh, who, of course, is paralyzed from the neck down uh, and does not look to be uh, improving as far as health and all of that goes. So... Uh, which is terrible. The dude is, is an absolute legend and a terrific wrestler and, and, and means so much to that scene over there. Uh, th- this was a very nice feel-good moment uh, that I feel like the English commentary team did a pretty good job of explaining to you why it was, as well as just sort of preparing you for the show. You know, it's light action, it's fun, um, all that great stuff. So what were your thoughts here, Gary? Yeah, I totally agree with you, and you're right. That commentary team, uh, Kevin Kelly and um, 
Don Callis. Both mm-hmm. did an excellent job. They really, really did. I enjoyed, you know, some of the the witty humor Don Callis yes. brings to this. Uh, <laughs> He's and not some a fan of, things. of Tiger Hattori. <laughs> no, he is not. <laughs> and a few other people on this show, if I can say it. But uh, anyway, uh, I think that, you know, they did a great job because, you know, there are a lot of guys in this match that I kind of no, but I don't know, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of fun to have them kind of give you a little education uh, and, and all that, and, and you know, especially with uh, everything that was going on. So I, I, I like the fact that also this isn't a mirror of an American Royal Rumble, right? Mm-hmm. There's not 13, 15 guys in the ring at the same time trying to toss each other over the top rope. This is totally different. This is really entertaining for the fact that you get so many different storylines mixed in. And so many different things taking place. I, I love the uh, Suzuki gun and trying to take uh, Liger and, and basically take him out. And then you have Tiger Mask coming down and the whole taking the mask off stuff. That was yeah. kind of entertaining. Very, very cool. I love the history, too, by the way, that they, they kind of gave you a little information on that. Uh, I just love many things like that. I mean, it was just kind of fun to watch throughout the entire thing. Cheeseburger, right. Very, very fun to see him. Great pop. And I, I kind of love the fact that he was one of the, the last guy besides uh, Kakihara. I can say his name. Kakihara. Kakihara. Thank mm. you. Kakihara. Him and Kakihara, yeah, it was a kind of that feel-good moment, like you said. And uh, Cheeseburger still did his thing. He stood tall. And he took the pin. And, and hey, if there's no better person to take the pin by from uh, Kakihara, really great story. So, overall, there's a lot of great things. Uh, they, they spent a lot of time with the Tonga the stuff uh, i think yeah. that was kind of cool giving a little history on that too mm-hmm. so it, it overall i think it was very entertaining i don't think it was you know blow away great but it was very very entertaining they think that's, that's all it's supposed to be absolutely yeah it's just a fun little bit get you primed and ready for the show sort of sets a tone as well too i think in sort of the underdog comeback story and that that's very much a lot of this show as we go forward but uh, we finally open the show. We have, uh, I think, an idol or something like that. I'm not exactly sure of her identity, but she welcomes us to the show and, and gets us started and I believe is doing commentary the entire night over there on the Japanese broadcast. And we open with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles on the line as Rapogni 3K, show and Yo with Rocky Romero defend against the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, who are... Uh, in their usual talkative selves about how great and how much money they are and all that wonderful stuff, and go out here and put on one heck of a performance, if you ask me. There's a lot of callbacks to the Rapogni feud with, uh, the Rapogni Vice feud with the Young Bucks last year that we go through this. Like, for example, uh, Yo ends up hurting his back doing a dive to the outside. Uh, eventually, Matt also takes a pretty serious bump to the outside that ends up hurting his back, and that's a lot of the focus going forward. However, it is not Rapogni 3K's night, Gary, as the Young Bucks hit the big melter driver. Nick locks in the sharpshooter on Yo to put him away and make him tap out. And the Young Bucks are a history-making seven-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. What well, This is a great match. I, I enjoyed this top to bottom. It was, and I'll got, I've just got to be very honest. I, I'm a big Young Bucks fan. I think that they do a great job with everything they do. You hear it week in and week out when we cover Ring of Honor, Paul. So no big surprise there. But I will say this. I found myself rooting for uh, Repugny 
3K. Mm-hmm. I, I just I could not help it. Yo and Show have come so far. Mm-hmm. These guys did really great work in Ring of Honor, but they really never got a chance to showcase themselves to the level that they needed to. I think they did it here in this show. They really outperformed themselves. It was a lot of fun, and I I like the idea of playing off the injury stuff too with Yo and of course Matt. I think it really kind of changed things up here. You you got a chance to see you know Nick and uh uh show really kind of have to do it take up the slack and pick up some things i really like that and you also have to give into consideration they took out rocky so young bucks took out rocky in this so he was no help to you know yo and show it, it just really changed things up but i think throughout this entire match they told a story and it was really entertaining and the entire time you had somebody you wanted to root for and the young bucks still win and that's okay uh, they, once again, that that's fine, uh, but I'm I'm so happy now. I have so much more appreciation for Repugni 3K. I just really, really do. So, congrats to the Young Bucks, though. That's cool. Seven times, it's really great. And I, I don't know why Kevin Kelly has to bring up Michael Jordan with a six. I mean, does it have to do with anything with this? I think, <laughs> I think uh, it's just sort of trying to put into perspective how uh, how big a feat it is winning a title that many times. You know. So <laughs> I get it. I mean, I guess, see, once again, this is where Sean would come in handy with you. You guys could really explain, you know, some things to me. Like, I, I think the junior heavyweight or junior tag titles are cool. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I didn't think that they were that big of a deal. I mean, they're – I don't know if they've ever been a huge deal. But they, they did used to mean something. And since the uh, – sort of the tag scene is sort of – shrinked a little as far as junior goes and for the heavyweights too since a lot of the focus is on singles accomplishments and not only japan but just in wrestling i think in general now um i you know i think tag titles sort of fall by the wayside but the young bucks really i think since their introduction to new japan have sort of made the titles uh a, a nice a very nice fixture on shows and something that uh i think a lot of people always look forward to nowadays just because not only are their names attached to it, but of all the great matches they had with them, uh, like I said, they were the centerpiece of the feud with Repugni last year. There was that long dance between them and Red Dragon. Just so many great matches over the last five years uh, with these guys. It's been wonderful. Exactly. Hey, you're totally right. And, you know, it's just, you know, once again, I, I really maybe didn't understand the level that they were really pushing this. But, hey, that's great that you should push those titles to the moon. You really Absolutely. should. You should make sure every title matters. So, and I, props to Kevin Kelly. I just kind of thought that was kind of funny. And, and really, you you mentioned this. Uh, they did definitely get those callbacks, and I love that. You know, Show and Yo were kind of reenacting some of what Repugni Vice used to do <laughs> against the Young Bucks. That was really really fun, and once again, very historical. So, I cool stuff. Great great show, uh, match to start the show. I agree. Lots of storytelling involved here. Uh, so assuming, cause this, this entire thing had to happen because basically Repugni 3K has beaten everybody but the Young Bucks in the division. So they had to lose them to somebody and this made a lot of sense. And now you can move forward. And if you ever feel like you need to go crazy with the dives or something like that, or have a much faster match, you can do so because it'll be very different from this one, which is much slower, much more purposeful. I feel like in, mm-hmm. in a lot of its execution. So, yeah. Uh, that moves us along to the never open weight six man title gauntlet match with uh, the champions, the Bullet Club OGs, Bad Luck Fale, Tonga Loa, and Tama Tonga, defending against a whole series of teams. However, them being the champions, they will come out last. And we open with Suzuki Goon, 
taking on uh, War Machine and Michael Elgin, who basically fall prey to a lot of uh, what Suzuki Gun is known for, and that's the numbers game, as basically the entire faction comes out to help them uh, put the beat down on the three larger opponents, and Suzu- uh, Zack Sabre Jr. eventually makes Ray Rowe pass out in a triangle choke. Admittedly, I thought this made a lot of sense. I thought this was a nice short little six minutes, and I think uh, Zack Sabre getting to tap out Ray Rowe, kind of a big deal. Or, or make him pass out, excuse me. Yeah, it is a big deal. And, it, you know, it's showcasing, you know, that, you know, Sabre Jr. is willing to do anything. <laughs> but not only that, he, he is able to, to take down a guy that large and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, assert his will. So you, you got to give it to him. I, I really did think that this was something that you had to do to really, you know, make a point that Suzuki Gun is that serious and they're here. And um, not only that, you, you really didn't know how far that they were going to go in this match when you're talking about Michael Elligan and, and War Machine, right? I mean, you, you thought they could go a little far, but you, you thought to yourself, I don't know. I picked them to win, but I picked them to win just out of a pulling the name out of a hat. I really right. didn't know who was going to win this thing. So <laughs> uh, funny that they're the first eliminated here, Paul. But I, I, I did the six minutes. It, it was fair. I think it was very good. Mm-hmm. I, I did the same thing. I just picked a random team, and I I, uh, I just so happened to be right, which if you've listened to our preview show, I guess kind of spoils this, but we're going to keep plugging away here. Because up next is the Chaos Contingent, Tomohiro Ishii, Toriyanu, and Mr. Beretta. Come on down. Very quickly start uh, getting into a brawl with the entire Suzuki Goon who's out there. Uh, eventually, Yano, gonna Yano, low blows Taichi, puts him away. A little less than three minutes. Uh, basically, Suzuki going getting out done here by by Yano's antics has been a, a huge story uh, for much of the end of last year, and this this sort of got some little notice and, and maybe a little bit of payback on Yano's part, who failed to sort of get the never open weight title away from Suzuki himself. Yeah, you know, I, I come into this lacking all that information, but what I did learn just from me watching this cold was that Yano is a, a big thorn in their society. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and, so Suzuki Gun wants to kill this guy, and once again, they walk out disappointed because he stays the thorn in their side. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the storytelling, like you said, and uh, the, the commentary did a great job of kind of informing me a lot of that. So I, I, I think it was kind of cool that in three minutes he got it done. I yeah. think it really puts that knife a little bit deeper in them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and then next up we have the, the babyface contingent that is Taguchi Japan as uh, Juice Robinson, Togi Makabe, and Ryuzuki Taguchi come down. And... At least on the English feed, they originally started with the music that overdubs Makabe's, which is, of course, uh, the uh, the cover of Immigrant Song uh, by Led Zeppelin that he uses to come down. And it sort of cuts out before they're even a quarter away down the ramp, and you actually get to hear the song, which is wonderful. And, and I'm uh, if it was a happy accident, then thank God for happy accidents, because I, I love that song so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Taguchi, however... Uh, while he's calling the plays, decides to get more involved than maybe he should have because that ends up costing him. And uh, they end up getting eliminated by Yano after uh, Taguchi sort of surprises him with a roll-up at uh, maybe about six minutes later. Yeah, and this was all fair. I think mm-hmm. they you know, had a really good back and forth here. And you know, for Yano to, to continue on and do what he had to do, I, you know, I, once again, it kind of gets some storytelling going here, and I think the action was pretty well versed between both teams. I, I, I didn't really have any problems with this. I kind of, you know, 
Kyle, that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I should mention that throughout this too, Trent is taking some ridiculous bumps as uh, oh, he God, always God. does. <laughs> it, it was getting scary. Uh, it really was. Um, but I mean, my God, the guy, he, he's a trooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here come the big bad champs of uh, Gorillas of Destiny and Bad Luck Follet. And, and uh, the bump train does not stop for Trent. Uh, Apron, Death Valley Driver. Uh, I think he takes a pretty sick dive to the outside too. Uh, eats Gorilla Warfare. However, all, all of the attention and everything like that finally uh, allows him to come back and hit the gun stun. Or excuse me, counter out of, uh, or his gun stun gets countered. He hits the Dude Buster on, uh, I believe it is uh, Tamatonga to get the victory here. Ishii getting to look great in this part of the match as well too. Getting the big suplex on Bad Luck Fale, uh, which was really, really cool. And Chaos are your new never open weight six man tag team champs. I kind of like this pairing honestly, uh, so I kind of hope they keep it for more than a defense. <laughs> no, I, no, I do too. And uh, you know, once again, I mean, all, all of these guys in Chaos really outdid themselves. Mm-hmm. They really showcased, uh, you know, that you know, really honestly, they were there to survive. <laughs> it, it was because of everything that Trent put his body through to make sure that they can keep. Keep going. I mean, he kind of sacrificed himself a lot in this match. Yano outdid himself a lot in this match. And there's different people, but I, I, I got to give him credit. And I love the end here. They really do focus on Beretta. They, they, you know, I think it's because of the fact that then I think this is his first major title. I think they said with New Japan, right? Or New am I Japan, wrong? Yes, this is his first yeah. uh, heavyweight title. He's been a uh, junior tag champ before. That's right. I thought so. I thought he because yeah, rugby vice, of course. Duh. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is great, and it was kind of cool to see Beretta to reach that next goal. So <laughs> I have no problems with the the, the choice here. I think uh, it's kind of cool to see chaos. And I'm, I'm right there with you. These guys really are, are just super entertaining, and uh, I want to see what they do next. Yeah, I mean, you have Beretta and his wackiness, and of course Yano and Ishii's just the straight guy who's here to kick some ass. So. Yeah, I would say <laughs> Ishii, I didn't even mention Ishii a lot in that, but that's you're exactly right. He's the enforcer. He's going to break your neck while the rest of them do all the crazy antics. Absolutely. Uh, and this brings us to our one and only non-title match. Uh, Cody with Brandy and... Uh, this ridiculous hood on that he has to sort of reveal his his new blonde look to the Japanese audience, taking on Kota Ibushi, and uh, my God, this this was incredible. You have a lot of Cody's usual antics, the stalling, Brandy getting involved a lot, uh, sort of putting one over on Kota uh, early on before they just start going through a lot of big big moves. Kota Ibushi taking a crossroads off of the apron might have been the scariest spot I've seen in uh, for a long time, even though there's been a lot of scary stuff. But Kota very much could have died. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And all of that all of that work that Cody does throughout the match is just not enough. Uh, eventually, Ibushi overcomes the big knee strike, and then the Phoenix Splash puts Cody down. This is an absolutely incredible match. The best thing on the card so far. And uh, we'll sort of stay at that point for a long time throughout this show. But this was incredible. It's absolutely worth your time. If you've settled Cody out somewhere along the way and you haven't figured out that he's just sort of saving these performances for when they matter most, uh, this is a great example of that. Because we've seen him have great matches. Okada and uh, Lethal 
uh, at Supercard of Honor last year come to mind. But uh, boy, this this was great. This is absolutely great. Oh yeah, and you know what? I, when you say Kota Ibushi, automatically I think, oh boy, this is going to be fun. <laughs> you know, and this guy is super impressive. But you had Cody in, like you said, and Cody to to give his best performance on a huge show. It all mixes up very, very well, and I think these, you know, two man. I mean, they just told uh, a story that was kind of interesting to me because you have Kota Ibushi, a kind of a, a wacky guy, kind of a I don't know, a strange. He, let's be honest, he's kind of strange, but he's super talented. Uh, but he, I mean, for everything he was doing here, he was kind of playing that playing that baby face like mate role in a big way here. Mm-hmm. Especially when you saw Brandy get, you know, they fell on Brandy and all that, and he thought he hurt her, and he kind of comes over there, and and you got just Cody coming over there and just knocking his lights out. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, and I love that. It looked great. I'm gonna be honest. That looked very very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I mean, the crossroads over there on this side, oh boy, that scared me. There's a lot of different things in this match that were very intense. And I, I, I got to give them credit. Despite all the stalling, despite Cody just being Cody, right? Mm-hmm. Being kind of, you know, of playing the avoid game uh, quite a bit until he really gets in the action and just goes from zero to 60. I think it really, you know, was just overall really, really well done. And I'm glad Cody Ibushi won. It would have been cool if Cody won, but I, I love the role that he was playing here. And I think Ibushi did a great job overall of uh, everything he did. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, one thing I did forget to mention is that Cody tells Coda that uh, he loves him more than Kenny ever did, which is uh, very telling, I think, of where this could be going down the line this year. But man, this this absolutely stellar. If you haven't seen this, go find a way to watch it. Uh, get New Japan World, preferably, because you know those guys deserve your money for this match alone. Not 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 even counting the rest of the great stuff we still have left to talk about. Exactly, and if you could take a you know a freeze frame of anything, you got to get a freeze frame of that middle finger from Cody. <laughs> that was kind of funny. I'm sorry, I, I started laughing when I saw that. I thought, oh boy, yeah, sorry. Cody, uh, he doesn't have a lot of fucks to give, honestly. So. No, he doesn't. Uh, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Titles on the line here. Killer Elite Squad: David Boyd Smith Jr. and Lance Archer defending against Evil and Sonata. And this, I, I really enjoyed this a lot, too. Not as good as the last match, but still, Killer Elite Squad are so good together. Uh, and they just reminded you of that here. All of the the just the power moves and the heavy hitting these guys do on Evil and Sonata throughout. And mostly Sonata, who works babyface in peril for most of the match. Uh, just expertly done. Not only by Killer Elite Squad, but Sonata, I think, getting... Uh, doing a lot of good, great work and making you uh, buy into the sympathy role and all that. Big tag to Evil. Evil goes on a bit of a run, sort of gets stalled out, and Kess, uh, or Killer Elite Squad, excuse me, just sort of can't keep Sonata down before uh, Evil comes in, sort of cleans house a little bit. Sonata hits the big moon smalt on, uh, on Davey Boy Smith Jr., and that's all she wrote. New tag champs. Yeah, and, and you know what you just said there. I mean, all these power moves and everything that Evil and Sonata had to go through. Mm-hmm. That boy. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't think it was their day. I really didn't for a long time here. Yeah. And 
And not for the fact that I don't believe in evil and Sonata because trust me, I'm a big fan of their faction, everything that they do. LIG is great. But I think, you know, coming into this, I mean, as this match started, you could see just how energized those two guys were in Archer and, of course, Davey Boy uh, mm-hmm. Jr. I mean, my God, those guys kind of – it's kind of funny to say this, Paul, but as I watched them, it reminded me of like the, the giant – bad guys in the 1980s on WWE television or WF, we want to call it. They were just really tough in this stuff. But man, uh, it just the overall, I think it really worked out really well. Sonata, I mean, just overdoing how well I mean, he should. I mean, he sold very well in a lot of this match. I got to give him credit. Evil coming in to be the saver, I think worked out too. But mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that Sonata got the pin. I, I, I love that because um, you know, it showed him saying, "Hey, I don't care what's going to happen. I'm crazy enough that I'm going to stick in, stick with it. And I'm going to get the victory." Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and uh, it should mention, of course, that Killer Elite Squad is part of Suzuki Gun, so that means Young Lions getting beat up about half of the match, and maybe just as much as Sonata and Evil did throughout as well. And uh, Lance Archer, being his usual beautiful self goes through about six or seven bottles of water to make sure everybody in the first three rows gets wet. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I kept thinking to myself, man, is this wet and wild or something? They, they, <laughs> I was just like, man, this must be part of this whole stick with him or something. But yeah, you're right. I, I you know, honestly, I kind of forgot about that. You're the young boys took a beating. Uh, mm-hmm. They really did here. So, but once again, I think that's what made me start thinking about, you know, those old school guys, right? That they were just—they didn't care who they were beating up. They were gonna—they were gonna prove that they were the alpha males. And in the end, alpha male or not, they lost. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so this brings us to sort of our our big heavy hitters of the show. The last five, uh, never open way title up for grabs, as well as both dudes' hair. Uh, no seconds at ringside. It's just gonna be straight up one on one with basically everything they could put on the line as Minoru Suzuki defends against Hiroki Goto. I, this I thought was kind of the first misstep of the show, and it's not that I have a problem with a lot of the match content, I thought it was pretty good, but you're starting to see the overriding theme of the underdog overcoming, sort of becoming the main theme, right? And Goto uh, is basically just getting his butt handed to him for most of the match, and every time Suzuki tries to go for his big gotch power driver, Goto fights out of it, finds a way to, to get some moves in before Suzuki takes back over again. And eventually all that costs Suzuki. Uh, in, uh, fights off GTR, Goto keeps fighting back, Suzuki comes back, and then it keeps going for a little bit, and then finally Goto hits the GTR, uh, and then hits another one again to get the big victory to save his luscious hair. And uh, Minoru in the post-match is sort of getting helped off by uh, Kes, who's trying to get him out of the hair-shaving thing. He says F that, shoves him off, Walks back into the ring, grabs his own chair because the one Goto brought in wasn't good enough. Sits in it, takes the clippers, and shaves off his own hair and leaves it for Goto, uh, for Goto behind. I mean, Suzuki going out on a shield here, but I, I mean, maybe going too far to try to prove to Goto that uh, he's just not good enough and that eventually cost him. Yeah, I you know, I, the, the end sequence to me was way better <laughs> than maybe... Uh, the overall feeling of the match and yeah. I, I i it's 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 really weird to say that I, I can't find myself to to really understand that because like you said the match itself was not terrible mm-hmm. it, it wasn't 
I think my problem with it, Paul, was the fact that I thought these guys were out for blood. I thought they were going to kill each other. And there were parts of this match where I didn't really feel like they were just trying to kill each other. Yes, yeah, Suzuki got some holds, almost, you know, won uh, by uh, just, you know, basically pass out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I kept using um, the sleeper. Yeah. The sleeper the entire time. I was trying to think of the term. I, not, it's not knockout. It's whatever. But uh, anyway, yes, that's what pretty much was the, the theme here, too. And it kind of kept going on and on. I just don't know. There, it was a little bit off. And I, I didn't necessarily need the sleeper. I, not that I want these guys to powerhouse each other out the door. But I really wanted these guys to be out for blood, to, to just really go out of it and just really make us believe that they do not like each other. And I didn't feel it coming out of this match completely. At the end, it's more like Suzuki just saying, look, you're still not on my level like you just mentioned. And I guess it's good for the fact that we got a story continuing on from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of feel like these matches kind of need to have a big exclamation mark. And I don't know that this one did. I, I, and this is sort of the struggle I think the division finds itself in with these two sort of at the head is that people have gotten so used to this being the guys going out there and just hitting the living daylights out of each other. And that's not necessarily the story these two are trying to tell. Suzuki, very much a measured man who likes to torture you with holds uh, before he finally kills you with a pile driver. And Goto, while he's known for hitting hard, I don't think is the sort of epitome of what this belt represents there, too. So, you know, I... I just think people's expectations are different for when the title is on the line, uh, this particular one at least, because it does have that reputation. But I, I, the story isn't going away, right, the the underdog here. And I think by this point it was maybe starting to get a little tired. I will say, however, this this match is very different from everything else on the card. Going from from brute power, essentially, in the last match, the tag title match, to this one where it was very methodical, very measured, especially on Suzuki's part until... You know, he would obviously take it too far, and Goto comes roaring back. It it was a nice difference there, but the overall story is still the same, and it's kind of wearing down on you at this point, especially when these matches are usually hovering somewhere above the 15-minute-plus range. Yeah. But it, it, that probably is a part of this, Paul, because I think coming into this, I, I had, like you said, I had big expectations, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I thought what the prior match was going to have or did have was going to happen in the next match. And it just didn't do that. It did kind of hesitate. I think throughout, well, basically kind of took a breath for the rest of this card because it really, to me had that slow pace. And mm-hmm. I think probably took me out of it a little bit, but I, I once again, they didn't do it bad. I, I Goto's great. I love Goti. Suzuki does his job very mm-hmm. well. I, I just kind of was a little let down. And I got to give props to Sean. Sean picked Goto to win. Mm-hmm. And, I was not really in that mind frame. I really felt like Suzuki was going to win, and we were going to get a chance to see Goto's, you know, hair gone. But nope. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you've been waiting for flippies, they're coming up. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title on the line. Marty Scroll defends against Kushida, Will Osprey, and Hiromu Takahashi. Marty Scroll's got these awesome, kick-ass, huge black wings that he folds out of as it comes out from underneath the stage. There's pictures that Cody put up online, Gary, of him working on them all day to get them ready for the show, which is really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I, I mean, that this is all Marty's idea there. Uh, Kushida gets a little bit of the Back to the Future thing again. Uh, Hiromu leaps out of the stage like Rey Mysterio. Osprey is basically just Osprey. However, Will is very much the focus of the match. 
He gets a lot of the big spots. He climbs up some of the staging and flies off it, and an absolutely beautiful moonsault. Uh, Scroll gets in a lot of his usual stuff, even goes so far as to tape Hiromu to the guardrail uh, and sort of mock him a little bit here and there. Uh, it's I, I've seen a lot of people say this was their favorite thing on the card, and while that's certainly valid, because this is a great match, there's a lot of impressive things. I think the storytelling was really what drew me into this, too, because they all had beef with each other. And the bigger sides of this being Kushida and Hiromu and uh, Scroll and Osprey's feud very much getting highlighted throughout. You know, I, it's it just was missing, I guess, something to sort of get it over the hump for me. But I, you can't really argue with the finish here, Osprey. Uh, ends up hitting a Spanish fly in the Oscutter on Marty to get the big win. Kind of upset that they didn't give this to Hiromu, who it really felt like should have won here. Uh, and this won't be the last time I think we talk about that with somebody involved in LIJ. But, man, Osbury, you know, you can't really go wrong with this guy. He was great in this. I, I think a lot of the, you know, potential behind it kind of was matched. I think that they really gave you a lot of everything you wanted and flippies yeah. and action and, and speed and all those great things happen. So you, you got to love that. You're happy with all that. And I, I see your points. I really do. And, you know, I don't have that attachment to Hiromu that you and Sean do. You guys watch the product way more than I do. So I get that coming in cold once again, something I kind of don't have the advantage on. But I, I think still you could tell by reactions with the crowd, people, they love that guy. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he did an excellent job. And I think Scroll in this match really impressed me. You know, he, of course, impresses me a lot. I see this guy a lot, but I think he really did a great job playing that just that, dastardly heel once again yeah. with the tape and all that stuff. I mean, and, and using the umbrella in a flippy match, right? And in a match where everybody's going 90 to nothing, he still finds time <laughs> to, to do all these little heel things that he likes to do. And I love the fact, you know, the, the, the spot where the um, they're over there and he tries to break both the fingers. I'm trying to think of who was he was with. Uh, but anyway, I love that spot. So, and, and there's lots of different things in this match I could sit here and go on and on and on about. But I will say this. You're completely right. Osprey was the main attraction here. They were really putting him to the, be the center point of everything that was going on. And I love the fact that he was the one pinning Marty Skrull to get the victory mm-hmm. because that just matches everything that they've been doing, all the storytelling those guys have been doing back and forth. But I, I was... I was perfectly fine with this match. I, I thought I did everything I needed to do. I was very happy walking away. I, I, you know what? I don't know if it was my favorite match. I know a lot of people, like you said, said that it was their favorite match. I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I kind of felt like it was something that should have been well done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, certainly the, the multi-man formula isn't something that's always done in New Japan as far as singles efforts goes, and especially when it comes to this title. Uh, it's more of the the tag uh, the junior tags that they've uh, become known for multi man stuff with, but I th- I mean they had the right guys in there. Everybody did their job extremely well, and uh, I th- they told a great story too, which is not something that always gets done in these multi man matches. So I really appreciated that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know I I don't want people to think uh, you know that they don't need to check. they need to go check this one out for sure if they're just listening to us. Yeah. But uh, you know it's. It's just entertaining. It's great. And once again, I mean, if you know more of the history, you probably get a lot more out of it like Paul did. But I still enjoyed it coming in cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
this brings us to the uh, IWGP Intercontinental Championship match as Hiroshi Tanahashi defends against Jay White. And uh, this is another misstep. One, because I don't think it should have been 20 minutes, even though it is Tanahashi and everybody still loves this guy very, very much. Uh, I, I question now, in hindsight, maybe pushing Jay White this quickly into this. And especially how he was booked in this, it never really felt like throughout the match he had a chance to win. There were times where he sort of pushed Tanahashi to an edge, but it was never any any moment where I was like, man, Jay White, here it comes. He's about to win this. That never came. It was just Tanahashi sort of, I, I don't want to say he's a squash because it was just far from that because Jay White certainly gets in a lot, but it's not... It's not anything to ever make you think, man, this guy's about to be your new Intercontinental Champion. Uh, And he eventually falls to a high fly flow from Tanahashi. And Jay White works extremely hard in this match, too. I can't really uh, say enough good things about his performance here. But Tanahashi, he looked a little slower. It looked like the injuries and all that maybe starting to catch up with him. And uh, with him still being the champ, it doesn't look like he's going to get a lot of time off to really maybe heal up some more or or maybe just take a, a breath. Uh, because he's going to be right back into it. It really is one of those things that I kind of felt like, wow, New Japan, you're doing WWE? Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I hate to say it that way, but when Tanahashi won, I kept waiting to hear my time is now play. <laughs> um, I just It weirded me out a little bit, to be honest with you. Just For a lot of the reasons you just brought up, I really don't need to rehash what you just said. But I, I will bring up the point, there were times in this match I felt like Jay Wyatt wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I felt like, oh, this is someone dressed as Jay Wyatt coming in. And at moments, oh, it looks like him. And then other moments, I'm like, boy, I just I, I know Jay Wyatt. And I know a lot of his efforts and everything he does is looking okay here. But it just does not feel like his match. And it never really did, like you said, for the example of it was a lot of Tanahashi getting the offense. It was a lot of JY kind of spending time trying to overcome all of it mm-hmm. against a guy that really, you're right, moves slow and he's coming off a major knee injury. Mm-hmm. And yet this happens. And I, I'm not trying to just complain because I love JY and I do. I'd love the guy to death. And I was really hoping for him to get this opportunity and, and get this big victory. I, I just I don't get it, and maybe I'm not supposed to get it. I was kind of hoping I'd get on the show, Paul, and you were going to tell me, well, A, B, and C is the reason why they do this in Japan. And I, I, I'm not getting that information. All I'm knowing is, well, the guy that usually gets over got over. Mm-hmm. That, that's about what happened here. Um, and, and, uh, and, I mean, if you read our preview on W2Mnet.com uh, about the show, too, I think all of us unanimously sort of picked Jay White to win here, and that... Uh, was not even close to being true. Uh, and, and I've read a lot of things thinking that maybe they pushed Jay White a little fast, which could be, but even though this guy, I think, has a lot of crowd support and a lot of just support in general from from wrestling fans and pundits on the internet and, and across the world that he's definitely going to be something big. Uh, but maybe, you know, th- he's in a new gimmick. I, I've not seen him play heel yet, and he's having to play somebody... Uh, who, honest to God, this character could have a lot of depth to him, and he's only been playing it for two and a half months. So mm-hmm. I mean, there, there is that, too, of still trying to find your way in uncharted waters. Yeah, and I understand the idea of pushing the guy too early, and maybe they're nervous about that. But, I mean, I just look at this guy and see how talented he is, and his right. excursion was a lot of 
great things and mm-hmm. a lot of great moments with him and his excursion with Ring of Honor. I just don't understand why you couldn't just let it happen. But I'm not the booker and I'm not the the ones in Japan having to, to kind of foot the the bill for mm-hmm. making sure that this guy is ready. So I, I, I have to respect them on their wish. I just I wanted JY to get this big moment. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Uh, so we only got the two main events left, and the first one up is hashtag aroused, uh, as Kenny Omega <laughs> takes on Chris Jericho, no DQ <laughs> for the U.S. title. This, uh, I, I've seen a lot of mixed response on this one, uh, maybe not so much as I will in the actual main event, but I, particularly, I love this match. I, Chris Jericho pulled out one of the most incredible performances he's ever done in the last 10 years. Uh, and I, I mean that wholeheartedly. He was spectacular in this match. The perfect, overly cocky, better-than-you heel uh, in every sense of the word. And Kenny Omega being the perfectly cocky, I am actually better-than-you Chris Jericho face. And these guys went out there and did everything under the sun I think they could within the confines of the style that they that they wanted to right chairs lots of tables uh face shots Kenny Omega gets busted open and uh as you heard in our intro Kenny Omega ends up winning this one winged angel on the chair to to put Jericho down for good and uh I mean god more v triggers than you can shake a stick at in this Jericho clearly been watching his uh New Japan because he uh they did the same spot that Okada got uh at uh, Dominion last year where he was too close to the ropes after he hit the first one-winged angel, and Jericho just wraps his hand around the rope. It, it was a really nice callback there, and makes you feel like Jericho is paying attention. And uh, but this was wonderful. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. You know what's kind of funny? I was. This is probably the match that I wanted to see the most, and it's mm-hmm. honestly, I'm very biased. I'm a huge Chris Jericho fan. Probably my number one guy uh, over even Steve Austin and people like that. And coming in, so I, I really get that. And I watch this match, and I try to be unbiased as much as possible just to go through it and to see how really well I liked it. And I, I'm going to be honest. I can understand where some people are disappointed. And it's for the fact that they expected something much more of a little hardcore stuff, but a lot more in the ring. I think they wanted just to see these two guys go at it. You know, It's like a regular singles competition. And a lot of the extra antics, a lot of the time spent outside the ring, it just takes a whole different feel to the match that I think people wanted. I get that point. And I think you're – I'm saying it right now. I'm prob- I may be wrong. I think you're still going to get it down the line. I think you'll probably or may have another option opportunity excuse me, to get the match you're going to want to get when it's just these two guys at it going inside the ring. The point of this story is these guys were out for blood. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did here. They were out to kill each other. They were out to prove that they were the best. And I loved every bit of it for the fact that their energy never stopped. Sure, they killed each other, Mm -hmm. and they took time laying out, which they should. But I I just think the energy never – I never felt like they ever took the foot off the pedal. I love the Walls of Jericho moments there. And it's kind of funny because we see them all the time in WWE, but – the walls of Jericho where he um, 
Oh, it's that oh, I can't explain what's the what they call it. Where he about re- the, uh, the uh, lion tamer, where he buries your knee into his head. Yes, that thing. Yes. I couldn't remember the. Well, I thought there was a certain name for it. I couldn't think of what it was, but yes, I love it because they said that's a real old callback, and I love that man. That was so intense, and that yeah. was just showing you how much this mattered to both these guys. So, it. Uh, and the, the second thing about this is the fact that they were so intense. You really never knew who was going to win. <laughs> I, I honestly, Paul, to till they actually pinned one of these guys, I never. I honestly thought this could go for another hour. I really felt like it because these guys cared that much. But in the end, that that final moment where we have that pin by Kenny Omega onto the chair. That was a great exclamation point to this match. A big deal. I loved it. I, I loved it from start to finish. I even love the intros. Uh, the, the, the entrances were so much fun with the jacket for Jericho and the whole garb by, you know, Kenny Omega. Just, uh, it was worth every bit of time you spent on this, I think. Uh, yeah, I left that out too. Jericho has uh, a Fozzie song uh, for his entrance. He's got the light up jacket. He's got the scarf. He's basically every entity of Chris Jericho you could possibly want. And Omega is dressed up like uh, a futuristic Anubis uh, with a with a big like energy gun. He looked it looked pretty cool. Uh, so hats off to all those guys there as well. And I I might get a lot of flack for this, but I, I honest to God, I think this was the best match on the show. I, I really do. This this was phenomenal. Uh, well, once again, I'll take the same flack. But I'm, I'll stand beside you on this. I'll, I'll take it, though, and, and I'll understand people will hate me for it. But I, I, I do have a little bit of bias involved, so mm-hmm. maybe that's why I'm going to do it. But I, I still, once again, I really love the energy in the match. And I think the entire crowd appreciated everything that took place. It was different. It was so much different than what yeah. you usually get, and that's what made it special to me. I, I thought that was great, too. And just, I think the, the Jericho perform- I mean, we know what Kenny Mega is capable of, and he definitely gave you every bit that he had. But just seeing this version of Chris Jericho again was stellar. Th- this is the guy, uh, um, I, I, that's that's your favorite wrestler, uh, Gary. This is the guy who I would say is definitely in my top five all time. This is this is the, the, the best form of Chris Jericho, and, and that, I think, was... I will always be grateful for that moment again. You know, this is awesome. You're, you're totally right. And really quickly here, you know, I listen to a lot of Jericho. I listen to a lot of his thought processes, and he's always wanted to bring something new to the table. He never wants to rehash anything. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He, he's sick of it himself. Like your fans may be sick of it. He's even more sick of it than you are. And that's exactly what he's done here, why he changes so much. And I, I think a lot of his influence, along with Kenny Omega, they worked so well together. I can only hope and pray they decide they can do this again. They need to do this again. I I would love it. Uh, if you listen to Jericho promos, though, in the lead-up to this, it's uh, it doesn't seem very plausible just because of his schedule and all that. So mm-hmm. uh, fingers crossed that they do because I think it'd be awesome. But I, I, uh, I won't hold my breath for it, and I'll just be grateful for this wonderful 35 minutes that we get here. Uh, so that brings us to uh, the main event, IWGP heavyweight title on the line. Uh, Kazuchika Okada defending against Tetsuya Naito. Uh, the crowd is the by far loudest it got all night when Naito comes out through the curtain. He's got this kick-ass cape with him. Uh, he looks the part. Uh, Okada has a whole new look. He's got fresh dye. He's got these long pants now. Um 
and they they work a very very excellent match. I and I don't want to take away from the effort here. Uh, Okada is his usual self, but so much of this match to me was Naito outperforming him early on and definitely into the middle and almost down the stretch, uh, where he's seemingly overcoming everything that Okada had thought up to throw at him. He's overcoming the Cobra Clutch. He's overcoming a lot of other Okada-esque offense that uh, that you see. And I, I'll say it's a few times I think Okada in his career, especially in the last two uh, two years, has been outperformed. I think Naito absolutely did it tonight, and it just still was not enough to overcome this incredible wrestling god that is Okada, uh, who ends up uh, kicking out of a Destino, kicking out of another Destino, ends up countering uh, into a Rainmaker eventually, uh, and Naito would return the favor by countering a, a Rainmaker into a Destino too, which was awesome. And uh, we hit a Okada eventually down the stretch, jumping, spinning Tombstone, Rainmaker, all she wrote, Okada is still your champ. This is his ninth successful defense, which is insane. I, uh, th- this is maybe the most divisive decision on the internet right now is Okada winning. And don't get me wrong, I, I love Okada as much as the next guy. The dude is a fantastic res- wrestler. He's in the midst of one of the greatest title runs of all time. I think this this had to be Naito's moment. The second that he loses, the energy kind of dissipates from the crowd. Uh, you could sort of feel it in the building. And, you know, the, everybody, I think, walked into there expecting Naito to win. And that was not the way they went. And to me, it almost feels like a little bit of a disservice because, I mean, Okada is is great and phenomenal and all these other things. But he doesn't have a rival, I feel like, that will that sort of is on that same level or even close, you know, and we got Omega last year and they certainly built that up like he was, but he hasn't really beaten them yet. I think when it matters most, uh, despite that G1 victory still being very strong for, for Omega, it, it just, it didn't really feel like it. You know, he, he, I, I don't know if I can explain myself very well. And I felt like Naito was going to get that moment here to, uh, that's, that's his rival. That's the guy he's on par with. And that, um, it wasn't the case, Gary. Did Nido sleep with uh, Gato's daughter? <laughs> I'm just curious. Like, did, did that happen? Like, he he's like, oh, I hate you so much, I kill you. But you're one of my biggest stars, so I'll just make you pay for it in booking. Um, <laughs> I just it makes me really question. And here's the thing: I I agree with you, and I man, I was so pumped. I can't tell you, Paul, just to see Nido and everything he was doing. I'm a huge Nido fan. I, I Okada, excellent, great wrestler. Let's all bow down to his and just amazing ability. Still, Nido's my guy. I, I love Nido, and for him to be doing everything he was doing in this match to start it out made me so happy. I was smiling. I just came off the high of such an intense match with Omega versus Alpha. And, and, and then now here I am. I'm getting what I wanted. And they take it all away from me. And I think that's the way the crowd felt. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because I think the crowd, they wanted Okada to do well, but they also wanted Naito to take that title. And they wanted to see what he was going to do next. They love to hate Naito. They love to get behind him. It's so interesting and as much as Okada has done for New Japan, and he's done a lot, trust me, this guy has been a, the biggest deal in wrestling for a reason. 
I think there are some times when they need to, you know, pull back a little bit and say, okay, let's restart this thing over again. Let's make us care more about Okada on the chase again. Let's not, you know, make this a, oh, well, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And it makes me fearful that that's what they're doing. Maybe not in their eyes, but in my eyes a little bit. They're they're starting to get on that realm because of, like you mentioned, I'm so glad you said that. It really felt like the crowd kind of went, oh. And that's not my favorite thing when you end a show, especially a show of the magnitude of Wrestle Kingdom. So I, I don't think it definitely kicked, killed the show, but I think it definitely killed my mood about the match. I and mean, maybe that's why it wasn't my favorite. I loved it, though. Still a good match. Still high quality. One that I'm going to tell everybody to watch. Oh, yeah. But still, bum me out, I think, the end. It's just they pulled the rug out from underneath me, Paul. I think the, the decision definitely plays into enjoyment, especially if you are uh, a big fan of Naito, uh, especially like uh, like Gary, where this is this, this is his boy going out there and losing like this. But, uh, I mean, they put him over big time in the post-match uh, promos here with Okada and Ghetto, uh, where Okada assures uh, both himself and Naito that they will meet again in the uh, main event of Wrestle Kingdom, which is true, I, I would gather. It just this felt like a a rare moment where you have to capitalize on creating another megastar, put him right up there with Okada, and that uh, is not so. That is not the way they're going here. And I, boy, I, it feels like a mistake. It really does. But I mean, New Japan, they're kings of sort of doing stuff like this and stretching it out and making you uh, sort of maybe rethink that opinion. But uh, until I'm proven wrong. Naito should be your IWGP Heavyweight Champion right now, but it, it's hard to take away from somebody like Okada, who has proven to be the commodity uh, in New Japan. So, the only way I can overcome this, Paul, is if they let Okada hold that title all the way to next year's Wrestle Kingdom, and then Naito be team for it. You know, you might be joking, but that's feasible. <laughs> it's absolutely feasible for this guy who uh, has put on a string of just insanely terrific uh not not only just matches but especially title matches like this guy's run has been just phenomenal i, I it's not it's no hyperbole it, wow it's no hyperbole to say that uh he's uh he's he's having just like the best title run ever of all time it feels like so mm-hmm. uh i i mean with all that sort of put to bed now uh, a, a very tired me at the end of the evening or morning here as it was 7.15 when the show ended Central Time. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> what number are you putting on this, Gary? You know, it, this show, I think, ended up living up to what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. I really think that it you know, was super entertaining, lots of great matches. We only had one match on this that we were really shaking our heads at and really kind of scratching it. Yeah. It's just a super great Wrestle Kingdom. I, I wouldn't say maybe it outdid the ones in the past. I, I just, I, I think it was right up there with them by Paul. And you said nine and a half was probably, I, for me personally, with this one, I, I think I was just a point below. I think I went eight and a half in this one. And I, I think super great show. But I, I'll be honest with you. The thing that you were pointing out, was a lot of my kind of like, oh, why do they do this again? That's a whole underdog theme. And I kind of wish they would have switched it up a little bit here and there and continue to give you those great matches. This was not a bad show at all. Really loved it. But I think there were a few things that emotionally 
kind of drew me back a little bit, if I can say it that way. So I, I you know, I'm not rehashing anything. I just kind of that's how I feel. I mean, you, you basically stole not only my point, uh, but uh, my entire uh, score for this show as well. I'm going eight and a half as well. And I don't want to take away from how absolutely terrific this show is. Uh, if I could make it like a strong eight and a half, I would absolutely do so. But, you know, I, there are parts of this where you have some missteps here. And th- there's not a bad match on here at all. Like, the worst thing on here is, is the is the rumble. And that's that's it's not supposed to be great, right? It's just fun. Everything else is just lights out, incredible, and... I I will say I think this year's Wrestle Kingdom had an insanely strong undercard, uh, much more so in the recent years where you could say maybe the top three or the top four really carried it to to the to the nine and a half. To me, I think the undercard sort of set the stage for everything to get you to the door, and then the main event sort of either pushed you really far or not so far, depending on not only your feelings about the decisions, but maybe your opinions on the match. Because I feel like all of them are kind of divisive, especially in the and the top three or four, maybe. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'll remember this for them missing an opportunity. Uh, but that's that's pro wrestling, right? That's uh, you always mm-hmm. sort of remember the stuff that you miss and not the uh, stuff that hits really hard. So you know, I absolutely go watch this show. It's still uh, awesome. I just it it's not the heavenly realm that the last two have been, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, one, you know, everything you said is very, very true, you know, and, and I walk away thinking it's more about emotions. It's more about feelings coming out of this that really deter you from giving it a high score. And I think that's the big notation here for people. So if you're listening to us talk about it, so you get an idea if you want to watch it or maybe you kind of halfway watched it and you need to finish it. Take our advice. Go watch it. It, it. Every bit of this is worth your time. You know, I just to kind of equate this, Paul, is like me going. I remember back in the day, I used to go to a certain ice cream place, and I'd go. And one time, I went, and this girl, I guess, thought I was cute or something like that, which is odd. But I remember getting like. <laughs> the, but anyway, I, I remember everyone around me, except you know, didn't get what they exactly want. But I got tons of chocolate and toppings on my ice cream, and I thought this is amazing, the best ice cream ever. And then the next time I went, I, some dude made it, and it was not as good. And that's the way I felt like it was still a great ice cream. I still loved it, but it wasn't as good as the last time. So Wrestle Kingdom, hopefully next year, they don't do all this emotional baggage to us, and we really get to jump into it and give it a nine and a half again because it it, it was really fun to watch. But emotionally, I walk out saying, man, I wanted some more. I wanted more. So anyway, enough about me telling stories. Let's move on. And uh, (laughs) let's get into some wrestling news. We've got some big things going on here. uh, And I I really think we should break this down. Let's go ahead and talk quick hits. It's time for wrestling news. Quick hits. Take it away, Gary. Alrighty, guys. Well, let's start this thing out by talking about some news that I really wish we didn't have to because it is fairly sad. But if you had watched the Netflix show Glow, you may remember that they had a young lady on the show uh, that was the – I'm trying to think. Is she Polynesian? I can't remember what they they were trying to say. But anyway uh, – the actual person in Glow, that was the real-life person, is uh, Mount Fiji. And uh, she was 60 years old, but she passed away. Mm-hmm. This is a sad deal. And, and you'll have to remind me of the girl on the Netflix show to kind of remind people. But, man, it's such a sad deal. 
the uh, the character uh, that uh, Mountain Fiji is, or Mount Fiji, or however that they uh, used it on the actual Glow television show back in the eighties, the actress or wrestler, uh, however you want to portray her, her name was Emily Dole. She died sixty on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, this is very sad. Uh, the character that reflects her, or sort of her mirror on the Glow TV series that Netflix is producing, is uh, Machu Picchu. Um, who I, I don't believe is really portrayed as Polynesian or anything like that because um, she's not. She's just from a wrestling family and all this other stuff. This is how they shoehorned on uh, Carlito and um, Brodus Clay on, onto the show. They were brothers. So yeah, uh, th- this is very sad. It seemed very sudden. Uh, Sixty these days to me is a little young to be kicking it, uh, but. Uh, I haven't read A Cause of Death or anything like that, but still, the, very, very sad. Uh, it, they, the Glow documentary that is also up on Netflix that talks about the actual show with the with the actresses, um, she seemed very pleasant. She seemed very, like a very nice person. So, uh, you know, absolute condolences to her family and all. This is very sad. Yeah, it is really, really sad. And, and thank you for covering me for a lot of that information. I uh, I didn't have wasn't prepared. My doc had already. <laughs> I had to scroll. <laughs> I had to scroll back down to make sure I got the quick hits. I knew Mount Fuji. I, I know all that. But it, it, once again, you just mentioned that documentary that is about Glow on Netflix. And if you haven't seen it, people go check it out. It's oh, really good. interesting. Yeah. It's a really good show. But you get a chance to see. Fiji in her state as of when that documentary was made, I think 2015, 2016, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was in a nursing home. She was on oxygen. She overweight, just not in good health. And it's just something she's dealt with for a long time, apparently. Mm-hmm. And when you see people in that situation, you know their their lifestyle is not really good because they're not able to move. And lots of health complications come into play. So I, I hate to say that I didn't expect it, but you see that documentary and you kind of think to yourself, oh, boy, she is nowhere in shape that she needs to be. And 60 years is too young. Yeah. It, that is way, way too young. And – I, once again, this is about health complications, and we don't know exactly what health complication did her in, but I, I really feel bad for her, her family. This is just a sad deal because you could tell how sweet of a person she was mm-hmm. and how much she loved wrestling or doing GLOW and being a part of that family. And right. I know the entire GLOW family is sad, and I really, really you know, hope that you know things go right and her due diligence amongst the media and people talk about her and let you know let the world know how great she is i just mm-hmm. i really hate to hear this so yeah well uh let's move on to to maybe some in more interesting uh stuff that's not so sad because that is just really a big bummer uh we actually have four of the teams announced for this mixed challenge that's be coming up here so the mixed match challenge is be taking place later in january be looking forward to that but we actually had four different teams announced we have the team of alexa bliss and braun Strowman from raw and we also have charlotte flair and bobby rude the team of robes announced mm-hmm. uh, we have sasha banks and finn balor together which is kind of an interesting team right there and then the other one from SmackDown, Lana and Rusev, which I'm so glad that they paired them up. I was kind of worried they were going to split them up. So the the husband and wife actually get the team up together in this mix match challenge. I, I'm actually kind of li- liking the, uh, the the four we got here. 
I li- I like the pairings so far as well. Uh, I mean, Charlotte and Bobby just sort of is is a made together pair uh, on screen. If you ask me, as you said, Team Robes, which I hope we get some really special ones. I kind of hope we get that from everybody. I'd really love to see them sort of make up team names and stuff like that. Just it's supposed to be a fun deal. Why not have as much fun with it as possible? Uh, the best thing to come out of this though is that Naya has come out on Twitter and say she's been bliss blocked from teaming with uh with her boyfriend Braun Strowman, which I uh laughed very hard at. So. <laughs> Oh boy, and we'll talk about later why that's probably the case. Um, but I do love that. <laughs> you can't deny that this you can use bliss in so many different ways. It's it's kind of kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean you're right, and, and I really do hope the teams that we're going to get coming forward are just as good as these pairings because I think they did an excellent job with these four. It's kind of nice to see, like I said, Lana and Rusev be a team to kind of have them play off them, you know, being a couple and. Uh, you know, you can't really do that with Miz and Maurice because Maurice isn't an active wrestler right now. But it's cool to see there is a husband and wife couple here doing their thing. And I just recently watched the ride along with those two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, they get up close and personal with some of their stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> they shared that. Um, but very intentionally if you're fans of those people. Um, so but anyway, I, I think this is working out pretty well. And actually just by these four, I'm kind of excited about this mixed match challenge, to be honest with you, Paul. And I'm trying to think how many more teams they need to announce. I'm trying to think, did they ever say a number? I can't remember. For this they, match. they don't have a number. They still have a list of people who are unpaired up. Uh, and I still don't know if they've actually selected the member of the new day or the, um, the other choices from Raw, if I remember correctly, but I I believe it starts on the two. Is it the twelfth or the twentieth? I can't remember. Um, uh, it's the I 16th, don't remember I'm either. Sorry, sixteen. Okay. Uh, so they still have some time to, to announce everything, and there's still a lot of people left unpaired. But the the first one so far, it already looks like it's going to be loads of fun, and I hope that's kind of what they do. A lot of the segments that they release on Facebook and social media like that, they're just fun things uh, of people sort of petitioning to be teamed with certain people. So. Uh, I've been really enjoying it so far. It's been a nice distraction throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll be excited to get the rest of those announcements. It's just too bad that Paige and Xavier aren't on the same, you know, <laughs> same roster. I think WWE is going to stay well away from that. <laughs> You're probably right. I would just, uh, I could probably come up with a team name for them, but I, I'll leave that alone. Um, <laughs> team Ride. Anyway, uh, let's move on to. Uh, <clears throat> other uh things that could be taking place <laughs> and wb and that's the fact that bobby lashley is not far from ending his contract with impact wrestling mm-hmm. and wb's maybe looking into signing him putting him on their roster wow that I, i'll be honest with you paul uh that's a little bit of a shocker for me because i didn't really know the wb still had interest you know that's the uh that's the word that's sort of going around um you know, I I'm a little surprised by this too, right? I mean, you got a lot of a lot of other names around, and I wouldn't think Lashley would sort of be at the top of your hit list, but I mean, the dude has certainly found his stride in Impact, I think, and uh, they found something that worked very well for him for a long time. And while they've sort of, I think, gotten away from that, uh, you know, it, I think that 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 body of work still speaks very highly of him. So. You know, I don't know. It's uh, To me, I think this is going to be more uh, dependent on whether Lashley thinks his MMA career is going to take him any further than what it has. So, um, you know, I it, it's certainly something to keep an eye on, and it's it's certainly only rumors at this point as well, too, because I still think Lashley is around till the summer 
uh, for impact. But man, this is, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, we talk a lot about impacts change in direction and, uh, I know WWE and Lashley didn't necessarily end on the best terms either. So lots of surprises happening. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, there is room for him probably somewhere because I think he would do great if he was a part of SmackDown. I, I agree with I, you. I, I think, that, you know, he would be a huge name to kind of bring along some different storylines with guys that maybe he's never worked with or even some people he has. And it's just a little bit, you know, odd still, though, thinking of, like you said, the way he left the company and the fact that WWE is still looking at guys from Impact, because I kind of thought they were just kind of taking a few here and there just to do it, and they were just not going to do it anymore, and yet they're still looking, and they're still looking, and that's that's fine. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we'll see. Bobby Lashley and WWE again, I, I have no problem with it. just kind of weirds me out that they're even thinking about it. Right. Uh, let's move on and talk a little Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan has been in, you know, our thoughts because of the fact that, you know, it's getting closer and closer to WrestleMania time. It's also the fact that we have him and Shane McMahon kind of feuding here a little bit. And could Daniel Bryan get in the ring with, the, you know, Shane McMahon? Would he be able to face anybody? Is he even going to be cleared to wrestle? And we heard, I think it was last week or the week before, that Daniel Bryan wasn't cleared yet. The doctor still will not clear him. And Daniel Bryan recently came out and says he thinks if by the time, you know, WrestleMania comes around and he is not wrestling, there's a slim chance he'll ever wrestle mm-hmm. in WWE. And I think that says a lot. I think that also says a lot for Daniel Bryan and the thought process of him going forward with the company. What do you think is going on here, though, Paul? I mean, how do you feel about this? I think this is really interesting because we keep hearing a lot of flip-flopping going back and forth between uh, quote-unquote wrestling news sites. So, uh, And and while that is absolutely par for the course, and I don't want anybody listening to think that I'm under the the persuasion that that that's just not the case, I think this sort of just gives you a great frame of mind for where Daniel Bryan is with the company. Uh, He's done a lot of interviews recently, and some of them uh, he doesn't, he speaks to he's doing the part of the job in wrestling that he doesn't like to do the most, and that's talking and shilling merch and all that other stuff and not being out there uh, sort of wrestling. And there have been uh, a lot of other occasions where he said, you know, it, everything that I thought was going to happen by me sticking around the business right now is happening. You know, I, I have that itch. I want to get back in there. I, I have this huge need to get back in there and, and wrestle again, and... You know, he's had so many other doctors and and he's going through so much therapy and uh, sort of training to sort of be able to get back into ring shape and to be able to to wrestle again. He said before he has a style that will work with with uh, with his injuries in tow. And it just seems like WWE either doesn't want to take the chance or is so hesitant to the point that they'd rather play it safe than sorry. And if that's the case, then. I almost say it works out to Daniel Bryan's advantage because he's got a longer amount of time to sort of rest up and heal up and keep getting into that shape that uh, that he wants to be in while still going out on the road and making money and, and everything like that to support his family. Uh, but I, I just I, WWE has to know that if they let him go, he's going to go out there and wrestle again. And, and it's not going to really matter how much money you offer him. If you want to keep him around and not have him go to the competition or – or have him go out there and start making somebody else a whole bunch of money for even a short period of time. 
I, the thought has got to cross your mind that maybe you put him back into the ring at some point. I'm right there with you, and I think they're thinking about all those things, but I, yet I still feel like the company as a whole are so terrified <laughs> from all those reports that they got from the doctors at the beginning of this whole thing with Daniel Bryan, and they're still thinking about that, and they're still considering what if he gets in the ring and he's concussed again, and then he can't live like a normal life because his brain doesn't function. It's our fault that we we reneged on all the things that we said we were gonna, never going to let him do. We reneged because we were afraid he was going to go to another company, and now look what happened. Or do you cut your loss and say, it sucks, we love Daniel Bryan, we want him to be a part of this thing, but hey, if he just is not going to resign, goodwill, let him go. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and makes New Japan, Ring of Honor, wherever the heck he wants to go. Tons of money because he will. You know, yep. Paul, Wrestle Kingdom next year, Daniel <laughs> Bryan versus anybody Kenny Omega. is going <laughs> to Kenny, o- Kenny Omega. The whole Alpha versus Omega thing will be a nice thing in the past, but you'll have a read thing of that. It'll be uh, Omega versus you know, what are, uh, Danielson, right? They'll go back to his other name, you know, and it, it'll be so much fun and we'll all be pumped up, but that's the thing. WWE's thinking about those things. They're really can they have to consider them. So I have no idea. I have no idea how this is going to shake out. To be honest with you, Paul, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. I, I really am. You know, uh, there's a very large part of me that is certainly going to be frightened for for Daniel if I ever see him back into the ring. But I trust. You know, you have to trust the guy to a point to know what his body is capable of. And and not only that, but I mean, wanting him to be a happy person and do what he loves. And, you know, if he can make a shit ton of money while doing it, then even better, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, if, if I was working in WWE, I, I, I would be on the side to clear him, you know, better. He makes money for you. And if something bad happens, well, it's not like you haven't been in the press before for it. That is true. I mean, look at the NFL. Ryan mm-hmm. Shazier, linebacker for the Steelers. I mention him all the time on this show, but that's for the fact that the same thing here. The NFL is always scared. Oh, these players are getting hurt. It's cutting mm-hmm. down on youth football, and then we're going to lose money in the future. And then that happens, and it's like, oh, God, now now what? And I think that's what Daniel Bryan and WWE is going to have to deal with once they do this. They're going to be saying, oh, God, what? No, please don't let that happen. But once again, you can't stop playing the game. you got to continue on, and I'm right there with you. I want to see Daniel Bryan succeed in WWE. Not that mm-hmm. I don't want to see him face Kenny Omega. I, I'll be honest. I'll be right there with the rest of you guys cheering and excited. But I, I want to see him succeed in WWE because that's where his heart was and where he wanted to go and do big things. And so mm-hmm. I hope he proves us all wrong. I really, really do. And we'll see. It's not far from us finding out. It's really not that far. I agree. So, uh, well, you know, moving past this, I mean, what's going on else that's kind of interesting is that WWE is still looking into signing even more talent. I know we just got to talk about Bobby Lashley a little bit here. And they're looking actually into someone else who is a big star on the independent circuit and someone who, you know, they can really find themselves really uh Getting behind in that person, well, you know, I'll mention the Enzo thing in a minute here. I missed that. But Candice LeRae, I want to talk about that first. Candice LeRae has been someone that they saw in the Mae Young Classic, someone that they really kind of, you know, had some interest in, but they never did anything just yet. 
this is kind of cool. The the possibility of Candice LeRae actually joining up. I, I'm a huge fan of Candice LeRae. She she is phenomenal uh, in whatever fashion: tag team wrestling, intergender wrestling, women's wrestling. She's just great. She's a great talent. I think they absolutely knew um, that she was basically going to be a home run signing after the Mae Young Classic. Right? I think she was one of the loudest pops the entire tournament, which was phenomenal. And and I'm I'd love to see her in NXT. I think she'd do a lot of great things there. Uh, she has a ton of experience behind her too. You know she can go. Let's let's do it. Let's get her in there. Get her in there with hubby. You know, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's a big deal because, like you know, you were just mentioning, she's got a lot of people behind her. She's got a, a fan following, and so I, I think it's a pretty sweet deal. You know, they're trying to make all these adjustments. They're shuffling people around. They're really trying to find ways to get bigger stars in the company. They're doing a great job of it. They really, really are. And so I'm really excited about it. And we're seeing, you know, sadly, some of the other stars on the roster really not flourish. I mean, Meltzer mentions Candice LeRae. This is great news. He also mentions that Bailey's pretty much on the outs with uh, WB. They're really just not into her anymore. So you worry about that situation at the same time as you get excited for people like Candice LeRae, you know? So it's a yin and yang. It really is, man. I, I don't know how to explain it more than that. It, it's just uh, – but I'm excited about Candice. I really, really am, and I think a lot of other people like yourself, Paul, are going to be excited to see what she can do. And we're, I think Dakota Kai was recently spotted in NXT tapings. Uh, so there's lots of movement going around. This is exciting. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, there's talk too that Rachel Ellering also might not be far behind Candice as far as the signing goes too, which is uh, kind of a big deal because that's sort of the flip side of Spectrum, right? Somebody who has a name whose uh, dad, of course, is currently working for the company uh, and Paul Ellering managing the Authors of Pain. She's uh, she's still young. She's still only been in the business a couple of years, but I, she's she's another one with a big following too, and I, I'd love to see her there. I think she'd fit in perfectly. Oh, I think so, too. I'm surprised it has that already happened, to be honest with you, Paul, but uh, there's probably reasons behind it, you know. But I, kind of the same with you know people like Tony Storm and, uh, you know, Tessa Blanchard. You know, those are a couple of names I keep thinking, why aren't they there yet? Yeah, I mean, so. Tony Storm's 23, and she's just crushing it, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and once again, Blanchard's related to, you know, Legends. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, well, you know, there, time will tell. Something else was going on here. Uh, Tom will tell when Enzo Amore gets back in the ring. Uh, well, once again, uh, he was asked to leave. <laughs> he actually showed up and uh, ready for action. And WB said, hey, uh, no, you're still sick. We're worried about this. And take the time off that you need because we've got other people over here on the SmackDown Live roster that are sick. And this is not becoming something we're enjoying. This is becoming more of a fear that we're going to lose more and more people because of being contagious. And so to avoid uh, the possibility of Enzo being contagious and spreading disease, he is not wrestling. And I think that's a big part of why they're still not, you know, at this point, adding him to that mixed match challenge, because I think they're kind of afraid that he wouldn't be ready or, you know, it'd be too quick to put him in there. So sad. I really wanted to see him team up with Nia Jax, but that's not going to happen. But man, the sickness stuff, man, Paul, and especially for Enzo, a guy that really needs to be on these shows, sucks. They just can't catch a break. 
Uh, WWE, like, I, we talked about this, uh, on our last episode as well as why Enzo wasn't on TV this, uh, this past week or anything like that, and, uh, you know, th- at least we were sort of right in the thinking that they, they're just, they're trying to get as many sick people off the road, like Braun Strowman got taken off the holiday tour because they thought he was sick with the flu too, uh, people in the backstage of SmackDown this week apparently, uh, were also sick and had IVs hooked up to them, which is uh, kind of frightening. But I, th- there is stuff going around, and WWE is sort of trying to just make it stop. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's it's just interesting to me that this is sort of you know nobody's immune. You know, I guess it is is I guess what's so interesting to me. You, you see these guys every week, and they just keep showing up on your TV every week, and. You know, suddenly people get sick, and and maybe I just put this in here so people can expect car changes down the line too. But I don't know. This is just always uh, one of the more intriguing things to me. It's just, hey guys, they're human too. Hey, they really are, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't think a lot of times we can consider the fact that these people have to deal with a lot of things we deal with, and we just kind of put them on this whole you know imaginary pedestal of right. hey, they're invincible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Imagine a guy like Braun Strowman sitting on the toilet for three hours kind of makes you concerned, you know. So makes you also think, ah, oh, he can do that. So uh, I, I love the fact that he does that. Did you know that he does that app that, that shows everywhere he poops? He, like, literally has that app. <laughs> I he, love this guy even more now. That's hilarious. He does, and he got angry, actually, because some of his stops that he had pooped in the country got deleted, and he, he threw a fit. So, uh... <laughs> He's going to have to, yeah, so that that's possibly how WB found out he was sick. They said, oh, your app shows you pooped like 16 times in this country. I don't think we can allow you to be on the roster right now. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, we'll move on past the sickness and the stat, the, the disturbing fact that I know about his poops. Uh, let's talk about the Women of Honor, uh, which is really, really something I'm looking forward to seeing how is handled this year in Ring of Honor. Uh, they're actually going to be doing their tournament. It'll be actually set up to begin on January 20th in Nashville. And, Paul, I mean, this is interesting because it, it looks like a, a lot of the good things are coming out of this, and we're really excited about it. It looks like we got about 16 uh, people actually announced uh, or at least set to be a part of this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delirious apparently has recently, you know, revealed a, a lot of stuff, and this is kind of cool, you know, talking about you – know, give us a little information. We even got Stardom involved in this. Yeah, so uh, we knew Stardom was going to have some involvement when uh, Mayu Iwatani showed up at uh, Final Battle this last year for the championship tournament announcement. Uh, the field is confirmed to be 16. They've had uh, a couple of qualifiers on uh, their YouTube page and Women of Honor Wednesday and all that stuff. Uh, I don't... See, th- this is already kind of making me nervous because I don't think the 20th, the the show in Nashville, is national TV tapings. I think it's just a show, which makes me think they're going to keep just putting this up on YouTube, which is kind of a little bit uh, depressing. However, uh, Delirious announced four people from Stardom will be confirmed in the tournament, one of which, of course, is Mayu Iwatani. Uh, you have uh, Hana Kimura, uh, Kajetsu, and uh, HZK. Uh, all participating in this as well. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm excited. It seems like we're going to get a pretty wide uh, breadth of um, of competitors in this, not only from stardom, but from uh, local indies where Ring of Honor goes, as well as the usual Women of Honor contingent like Brandy Rhodes and 
Diana Perrazzo and uh, Kelly Klein and 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 those guy uh, ladies. Uh, I also think Madison Rain is going to be in this tournament as well, which I believe we've we've talked about on here as well, which is kind of cool. So big. Uh, this is something hopefully that they will turn into a fixture on television. Although so far it's uh, already a little bit depressing because, like I said, I don't think that Nashville stop is national TV tapings. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's all I can say because they, that that this needs to be on TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know I've talked about this in length, but I mean, I, I just I, it bums me out because these are the big matches that people need to see. These are the things that are going to hook people on that division. So, yeah, enough about my griping. I'm just I'm really disappointed if that's the case. Uh, you know, Ring of Honor is also doing some other things that are kind of cool. They're gonna—they uh, just recently revealed their new streaming service, and the name of it, and the name of it is Honor Club. Yeah, there you go. So taking a little bit away from the Bullet Club and making it the Honor Club. And uh, the tagline here is kind of interesting. It's uh, basically here's the tagline: "It's more than a network." Oh boy, uh, t- shots fired already. <laughs> oh boy. We uh we don't have a date yet. Uh, we just know a name that showed up on uh, Ring of Honor TV this week during um during their best of show. So, um, I at least you know something big is coming, and that's that's better than just uh, them sort of going off what Joe Coff had been saying and saying that something is in the works. He it has a name. It has a, a clearly it has a marketing direction now. Uh, once we get, of course, more details, we will let you know for sure. But I'm kind of excited. Um, as as my, I love talking Ring of Honor every week, and you know, different ways to support these guys outside of uh, paying for ringside membership, which uh, is is a bit of a bum deal. Although recently, at least with the live shows coming to Dallas, I've gotten a bit more use out of it. But <laughs> it's uh, it, it'll be nice to have a, a different way to to sort of buy product, you know. Oh yeah, definitely, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing what is all going to be included on that. You know, I, I like Ring of Honor a lot. I'm, I'm like you said, Paul. I, I love covering it week in and week out. It's a blast to to really delve into what they do in Ring of Honor. But I, I'm just kind of waiting to see what they're going to offer on this thing. And yeah. I think WWE, you know, if I was them, if, if you know, shots were fired at me like this, I think I'd send back my tagline for the WWE Network. And that line would be WB Network. We pay for lighting. So, <laughs> just saying. Sick burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was probably not even good. I just thought of that. Uh, uh, my jokes sometimes don't always go over well, Paul. Uh, I mean, uh, but anyway, listeners know where you're coming from. You always bag on Ring of Honor for the lighting. <laughs> I don't. It just amazes me. They, they they got some cash. Not a lot of it, probably, but they got some cash. Uh, well, you know, let's talk about someone who uh, is you know going to be doing some new things in a new place. Era Lucha just signed a new talent, and that talent is someone that I think is kind of interesting. Uh, Sammy Guevara is uh, now part of that roster. So they signed a multi-year deal, so he really feels strongly about this place. Yeah, th- this is sort of interesting to me, who uh, Sammy uh, is, uh, for one, I- I'm more familiar with because he's come up in uh, in our backyard. Gary came up here in Dallas and around the, the Texas independent scene and has recently started going out on the road uh, across the U.S., PWG. He's done Style Battle and Evolve and, and uh, places like that. 
I, it's notable for that too, because this is a, a young talent, somebody who uh, has a lot to offer, especially if you're into flippies and stuff like that. But Aerolucha sort of going out and making a, a signing like this, and it's not the star caliber, I think is, is what I'm getting at, is that they're already looking towards the future, right? They're, they're already, I assume they must feel very highly about how well their TV taping went and uh, are just sort of expecting that even maybe if that doesn't take off since they've been touring around Texas uh, or going to tour around Texas this month, I think, um, that the company's going to keep going on in some way or fashion. So nice uh, nice little news t- tidbit there, I guess, sort of keep Aerolucha on your radar. Yeah, I definitely. And you know what? You've got to make bold moves, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, when you're trying to start a company, right? And I think that's one of them. They're going to go ahead and say, we're going to be successful, and we're going to get talent to sign a deal to make them ours, to make sure that they know we're not just playing games and we're just kind of signing people here there just for a date or two. No, we want you around for a long time, so here it is, and let's do it. So I, I think the uh, little bit of a confidence in, in their tone here uh, is good. Yeah. So. yeah. Let's see what they do. Well, that is the rest of our quick hits for this week. Of course, next week we'll have more interesting things coming out, I'm sure. But for now, that's our news. We are going to move on, though. We've got to talk a little impact. That's right. Their TV tapings have begun for 2018. So let's jump into them, Paul. Yeah, uh, Impact is back from their holiday break, and they have uh, a show that they made a lot of matches for leading up to it, so I was a little bit more excited this week knowing that we really, we had some uh, some good stuff on hand here. They open with uh, Dan Lambert backstage with American Top Team, who he tells, you know what, guys? Take the night off. I got James Storm. I'll buy myself. No big deal. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> X-Division title match opens the show proper. Trevor Lee defends against Taji Ishimori. Uh, you have Caleb Conley out with, uh, with his buddy, of course. And this, this was really good. Uh, I was, uh, very happy with what we got here. Ishimori, uh, hits the Dodon and the big 450 to win. He is your new X-Division champion, uh, which if you read spoilers from back in, uh, early December, this has been known to you for a while and he's already defended the... Title once in Pro Wrestling Noah since uh, the title victory. So, uh, <laughs> nice uh, nice little thing there, too. But I, I I found this very enjoyable. Didn't have a problem with anything going on here. Yeah, I did either. I think this was a match that really needed to happen because we need to see Ishimori get some big things coming out of what he's been doing because he has been really showcased. He's done a great job. And for him to get something out of it, it means a lot. And I think it means a lot to the viewers. So, I'm really happy with this. The X Division is, is, you know, I think better for it. I really do think so. So let's see what he does. But uh, I, I, you got to give credit to Trevor Lee too. He really put in some good work here as well. But I'm really happy for Ishimori. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the post match too, Desmond Xavier comes out to issue a challenge to Ishimori for the X Division title, which is nice to finally at least see him get his title challenge for winning the Super X Cup uh, at the end of last year. But that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. I'm a big fan of Xavier's work, uh, as well as Ishimori. So hopefully they get a chance to really go out there and blow some heads off. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. And 
you know, I, we we need to see Xavier, you know, really, you know, still work on his promos a little bit. I was getting a little nervous he was starting to pull in his inner Jason Jordan, but I think he did a good <laughs> job. So I, I'm excited about it, though. You know, he is a great wrestler. Xavier is so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we go backstage to LAX's clubhouse. Uh, Conan basically trying to rile up the troops and uh, cites the fireball attack that was at the end of the last episode of Impact before they went on break from uh, Sammy Callahan, which seemed to, to do the job. You have uh, James Storm interviewed uh, about his uh, career versus career match with Dan Lambert this evening. Uh, he says he's ready to send him packing. And this leads us to uh, our three-way Grand Championship match as EC3 takes on Matt Seidel and Falaba. <sighs> this was fine. This was largely fine. EC3 wins uh, via decision. You know, I don't know if you necessarily needed Falaba in there. I thought Matt Seidel offered a nice little differing uh, sort of style to the other two. I I, I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't... I didn't feel as invested as maybe as I, I like to be in EC3's work or matches. Uh, and this was just sort of, it happened. It was a thing. Paul, that feeling that you're feeling now is how I've felt for the past. <laughs> uh, how long has EC3 held that title? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it has. And I, I think uh, all the extravagant opportunities for EC3 have went out the window ever since uh, I think uh, Carter left, right? Dixie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I'm not bagging on EC3. I think he's great. I think he he has something. I just don't think that they're I don't think that they're ready to put him uh, into something really important. And I don't like this title. I say it all the time. Not going to continue on bagging on it. I, 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 I like Fallaball. I, I know it's funny you said he didn't need to be in the match, but to me, he at least adds something that I would care about because, to be honest with you, I don't care about this title. Mm-hmm. And Matt Seidel, as entertaining he is, is, and as great as this guy is, I'm just not really super behind him either. So this was just, like you said, very fair, but one, I just thought it was because I hate this title. <laughs> the work's good. I just I didn't. I'm not particularly intrigued by this feud, unfortunately. Even though it's had its good moments between EC3 and Matt Seidel, Falabaugh just felt sort of tacked on. So, yeah, he is, but he, he's still—I don't know—he just brings something. He's entertaining for some reason to me. Mm. Maybe it's just his size. I love to see this guy move around. <laughs> uh, we get a Johnny Impact hype video after that. Moose shows up during the break uh, and gets attacked by KM. Uh, and then we go to Allie, who's interviewed about becoming the number one contender for the Knockouts title, and sort of puts over the fact that, you know, she never thought she would be here again, the last time she won was an accident, all this other stuff. She brings up the fact that Gail Kim believes in her, and she believes she's just getting started, and this is when Laurel Van Ness shows up and beats her down. Which leads us, Gary, into my absolute favorite part of this show, uh, and that's James Storm getting his butt kicked for three and a half minutes before Dan Lambert comes in to send it packing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you couldn't wait to get to that. You you flew right through. Poor, you know. Uh, now I'm blanking on her name. Now you just said it. I'm thinking. Allie. Uh, 
Allie, thank you. I'm under brain fart, man. I you got me all thinking about James Storm. Yeah, uh, Laurel Vanessa, you know, beating her up and all that. It it makes sense and all that, but uh, kind of interesting. They really don't have a lot for the knockouts on this episode, but you know, you can't always do it. You know, I right. get it, but kind of interesting. At least they added something here. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. So we'll move on to your favorite part. <laughs> I, uh, once again. Uh, Dan Lambert, they make fun of the wrestling, they make fun of Impact, they do all this stuff, they attack everybody. Kind of funny to me that no one shows up to help Landstorm. They all mm-hmm. clap for him after he gets back in the back. Oh, good job, you lost! Oh, yeah, we love you, James! Uh, we weren't willing to go out there, sorry. Um, so I just, I don't know if I like that, Paul. Maybe, I thought maybe I missed something. I was like, did I miss something where no one was allowed to come to ringside except for America's top team, you know? Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know uh, any of that. I, I'm extremely bent on the hating James Storm train. So, uh, th- you know, there's a lot here um, that I if, if I'm taking a very impartial look at, it's just sort of lame, right? Uh, Dan mm-hmm. Lambert comes out. They don't even really do anything because here comes American top team to jump them. Lashley beats them up a whole bunch. They hit them over the head with beer bottles. It's an extended beatdown. James Storm gets uh, the promo at the end, uh, gets to uh, call his family and tell him he's coming home, all this other stuff. You know, it's the the going home part is a nice bit of classy send-off. I, I think the way they executed the match, uh, and it's not like this needed, I mean, this should have been what it was, right, is, is if you're going to exit James this way, but... You know, I don't know if it needed to be three and a half minutes, right? I feel like you could have got Lashley hitting his stuff, the beer bottles, all that in, and and maybe you know a minute and a half, and then that's all she wrote. So I I don't I don't know, maybe maybe just anticlimactic and maybe kind of lame. But I felt like this was the only way you could do it with the way the booking went. Well, yeah, because America's top team and all that stuff with Dan Lambert, it, it, to me, it's all lame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing: I kind of felt like this reminded me of something that I really hated in history, and I thought back and I knew what it was. Chris Jericho in hockey gear taking out Ken Shamrock and sending <laughs> sending him packing. I, I thought that was the most silliest thing I've ever seen. I, and I love Chris Jericho and I love Ken Shamrock too. And I thought that was the lamest send off. I just I thought it was the dumbest thing. And then here we are again. Yeah, Ugh, mm-hmm. poor poor uh, James Storm, but uh, whatever. Um, he should, to me, if he goes out, he should have won out, losing to a young guy, passing the right. torch situation. But it is what it is. Um, and I, I didn't know who he was talking to on the phone as he exits. I honestly thought it's got to be one or two people, Angle or Brian. Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle <laughs> spend all their time on their phone, probably talking, oh, no, it's his wife. Oh, okay, I get it. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, like you said, that was probably the classiest part of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we move on from that wonderful piece of television to another wonderful piece of television, which is a Park Park and Park video package, which I will go to my grave loving this. Uh, and then you have Chandler Park here taking on uh, John Bolin. And this is very much just here to sort of get... Uh, Chandler over, even though Bolin sort of kicks the crap out of him for a little bit here. I, I kind of like it, though, because Bolin looks serious. He's dangerous. He's doing everything he wants to do. And then the next thing you know, oh, wow, Park wins. Um, 
So I, I, hey, it's fine. I, I love the grandma thing too. He <laughs> yells at <great>. Joseph. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was so awesome. So, I, I, you know, it's silly, but I think this is the right kind of silly. This isn't like what we got in the previous match. Mm-hmm. I, I think, especially whenever you have just the park characters in general. Now you know they they've been booked. To, they're not wrestlers, right? They're just lawyers. And Chandler Park is sort of just here to help back up his brother and. I, I feel like this is going to go somewhere. I don't exactly know where, but it could... I mean, if Chandler Park turns... If they go the alley route, you know, like, I'm going to train to be a wrestler now and all this other stuff, then that could be fun. Or, or or if maybe he... Maybe if they tell the story of Abyss but through a different character or something like that, that could be fun. I don't know. But uh, I'm willing to be open to the idea of where this is going to go, you know? Yeah, just leave Allie's husband out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, oh. that would be preferable yes yeah <laughs> uh we go backstage where matt seidel is complaining about how ec3 managed to escape with the title again says that ec3 is scared of him and uh he's gonna figure out a way to win this title abolish the rounds and the judges which i'm sure gary you stood up from your couch and just gave this man a round of applause I did, but then I started thinking about who was saying it, and then I started realizing, <laughs> well, of course, Mad Mad Sidell wants to get rid of judges. They're usually trying to put him in jail. So, I mean, come on, I get it. But yes, I'm right there with. Thank you, Sidell. If you can make it happen, please, please do. <laughs> uh, we go to uh, a match that was taped out at the Wrestle Pro event in New Jersey. Uh, last year where Eli Drake defended the uh, global title against Alberto El Patron. Uh, this is clipped. You get a lot of um, sort of brawling on the outside before they end up back in the ring uh, with some cool exchanges and stuff where Eli ends up retaining the title. Uh, I think this might be one of the matches you maybe don't want to clip, but... Then again, I can't say I was super pumped up to see this or anything like that, so I, I was just kind of left feeling a little indifferent. I think so, and for the fact that you knew the title wasn't going to change hands here. Right, right, right. So I, I think it was kind of anticlimactic for that point. I mean, it's good to see these guys in the ring because of the fact that you want them to have a big presence. You also want to show that, hey, if you go in any promotion near you, you could get a chance to see these guys in your backyard too. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's a good, strong point, but yet I, I just was not in love with it. It, it did fine. It, it did what it needed to do, but not in love with it. Right, right. Uh, we cut to Eli Drake uh, working out with uh, Adrian Adonis, uh, where they're talking uh, talking smack about Patron and uh, sort of rubbing the fact that Eli has his number and is still walking around with the gold, all that good stuff. Uh, and then we come to the main event, Impact Tag Team Championships on the line. Uh, LAX loses, they gotta break up, OVE defending against, uh, those LAX cats. This is, I, I enjoyed myself, this, there's a lot of fun stuff going on in here, LAX comes out the victors, uh, and are your new champions once again. I finally felt like we got a pretty solid picture of what OVE can do in the ring, which I was very appreciative of. I'd also be okay with giving this feud a break, even though you know that's not going to happen because there's not a lot of other tag teams around for these guys to fight yet. So uh, maybe work on doing that as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I was really entertained. I think that they did a great job of you know showcasing both tag teams equally. Mm-hmm. I really felt like that. And 
I, I was really nervous that LAX was going to take the fall here. I really honestly was because I just – they have not really done a lot with LAX lately. Right. They just haven't. It, they've kind of went – Took a peak and then they are on their downfall. Mm-hmm. I think this is a this is going in a upward fashion for them though because they got the victory here. Really happy to see that it means a lot, especially if you're making LAX to be a babyface team. It means a lot, and so I I think that they did a good job in giving all that out to the fans and really showcasing a pretty good main event. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure I would like this main event, but I I, I walked away happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and uh, I, I walked away happy from this episode of Impact, even though there was some stuff I didn't care about. I, I enjoyed this two hours for the most part, so I'll uh, I'll take that to the bank. Yeah, and that's a good thing. When we walk away smiling after watching Impact, we, that's that's a positive for sure. So, <laughs> uh, well, there you go, guys. That is Impact for this week, and now we are going to do one last thing on this show. That's right, we have to crown a superstar of the week. Who is it going to be? You'll find out next. Superstar of the Week. Go for it, Gary. All right. Well, let's start out with that one point we got to give out. And, boy, this is a tough week because, of course, Wrestle Kingdom took place. Uh, but we got to give one point out to one guy that we were really impressed with, Kota Ibushi. Uh, I mean, really, this point could just be given to Coda because he almost died, or because he won the match. I think it's dealer's choice. But uh, Cody and Co- uh, Cody and Kota, excuse me, put on a great match. Abushi comes out the winner. Uh, can't wait to see where this victory takes him, as well as the uh, little smack talk that Cody gave him about maybe loving him more than uh, Kenny. Yeah, hey, I love that too. I'm sorry, <laughs> just that was such a great moment. It's great boy. Stuff. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you wholeheartedly. Kota Ibushi, great job. Two points. We're going to be giving those over to Will Ospreay. Yeah, Ospreay wins the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship back from uh, his vaunted rival, Marty Scroll, uh, and, and looks pretty darn good doing it. The whole match is sort of centered around him and his work, and um, can't wait to see what else they do with him this year. Yep, I'm right there with you, man. Three points are going to be breaking in this New Japan stuff, and we're going to give it to Roman Reigns. Uh, yeah, I know sure some people probably out there worried that uh, we're turning into Roman Marks, but him and Joe put on one heck of a match on Raw. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that, go watch that. It's great stuff. Uh, Roman, of course, ends up retaining his Intercontinental Championship, uh, but this is a well-deserved three points for uh, a match that surprisingly hangs pretty well with some of the top class of uh, Wrestle Kingdom this week. I, I'm right there with you, and I never thought that in a million years we'd have anybody from WB on our list this week. But right. uh, if you listen to you know me and Paul in the Raw review, you heard me gush and gush about that match. Mm-hmm. So definitely well deserved. Three points are going right to the right guy in Roman Reigns. Four points are going to be going to none other than Okada. I yeah, mean, Gary had a long talk about whether it was going to be Okada or Omega at the top. And, uh, you know, we, we, Okada and Naito was certainly marred, at least in our opinion, by maybe making the wrong choice as far as who comes out the winner and all that. I still don't, you still can't take away Okada's incredible accomplishments or his, you know, dang near legendary wrestling skill at this point. He's just so good. But I feel like the match that uh, we gave to five. Uh, meant more. So Okada, unfortunately, falls down to the four spot. 
Yeah, you know, like I said, this is almost a flip of a coin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is, and really, we're picking a few things out that we kind of feel like were hindrances, and of course, things that really kind of make a case. We almost had to sit there and call a lawyer to to, to make a good case <laughs> for both these guys. We stayed away from it. Park, park, and park. We had to save our money. Sorry, guys. Uh, but yes, Okada with four points. It's still a good point. Uh, five points, though, and the person that has crowned a superstar of the week, of course, with elimination, Omega. Oh, man, me me and Gary, I think, just enjoyed this match more. But not only from that you know personal standpoint, I think this match, when you look at the entire card, I think in what hashtag Alpha versus Omega did, uh, you know, what these guys brought to that show spanned something much larger than Okada's ninth title defense or, um, you know, the insane amount of hard work they put into this match as well as putting it over and all the booking and everything like that. Like, to me, this felt like Omega and Jericho broke the door open for a lot of new fans, and I think that means a lot more in hindsight to Okada and Naito's terrific effort in the main event. Definitely. And, you know, there's so many different factors here to kind of go into play. And I just think the extreme light that was shown on this match because of the the power of it, the guys involved, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, it meant so much to New Japan. I think it meant so much to even New Japan World. You know, all this is, I think that subscription rate, when we see it, Paul, is going to be. Maybe not catastrophic, but I think it's definitely going to have a lot more numbers thrown at us than we usually see. So I I think this match meant so much. I think it lived up to expectations in my book. So that's why I had to vote for that five points and for Kenny Omega to be crowned Superstar of the Week. So there you go. Well, that you know, congratulations to Kenny Omega. Congratulations to you know a lot of those people over Wrestle Kingdom did a great job this week. And of course, you know, we had a lot of good things. If you ask me, Paul, in this week in wrestling, really, really fun week. Uh, I think WWE had a few good things, but I think Impact even had a good week. And we just overall good stuff. I walk away pretty happy. Yeah, it's a great week for wrestling as far as watching matches and stuff like that goes. So you, you didn't really pick wrong, no matter what you watched. Exactly. Well, people, we appreciate you once again for joining us. This has been a ton of fun. I, I, it would have been a lot more fun with Sean. Uh, right. really still, it, it really bums me out. I'm still sitting here, but that's okay. Sean, uh, you know, he needs his rest, and uh, I'm really hoping, I'm going to encourage him really to, if he, you know, wants to take five, ten minutes or whatever he wants to do, if he wants to do a little bit of talking about Wrestle Kingdom on Monday show, we're going to do it. If him and Tom Reese want to get together and find a time to to do a little mini Wrestle Kingdom podcast, I don't care. I just want to hear Sean's opinion. I want you guys to hear it too because Sean knows this, you know, New Japan. So let's hope he gets a chance to do that uh, pretty soon here. And uh, make sure you also go find a lot of the other hard work that Sean does on this network. And that is, of course, through W2Mnet.com. Go find a lot of the great stuff. Sean just recorded a uh, Soccer to the Max show mm-hmm. tonight. Part of the reason probably you probably passed out. And a lot of other things that Sean's doing over there. So uh, go join that. Of course, Paul and I, of course, are you know all over that place, too. W2Mnet.com doesn't just bring out wrestling. It's got video games, sports, and, of course, entertainment. So you make sure you go out and check that website out. Give some big love to 411mania.com. The last word on ProWrestling.com is while you're at it. 
Both of them are great supporters of ours, so we want to support them. So help us do that. Subscribe, rate, and review over at Wrestling of the Max and the W2M Network. We appreciate you if you've already done it. But you, if you haven't, please give us your feedback. We love it. Every time we get a little piece of feedback from someone, it means a lot to us. And when we see those ratings, hey, it also gives us a little pep in our steps. So make sure you do that if you haven't. And uh, that's it. Uh, you know, it's kind of weird to say this, but we are done. I know we had a packed show. I can't believe we flew through this thing. It feels like we just had five minutes, even though it was probably two hours. Uh, yep. But <laughs> yeah, it's all right. There you go. So saying that, I'm going to let Paul go on and watch New Year's Dash, and uh, we will get on and see you guys later. Until then, peace. Have a good one, guys. Previous podcast is a W2Mnet.com original podcast. For more great content like this, go to W2Mnet.com for the worlds of wrestling, video games, entertainment, and sports. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.